Hello! Welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. I am your host, Gimme That Wheat. I think we're going to have a fun episode here. We have, uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We've got a juicy topic for me when it comes to uh, a peach player, a juicy peach player. But uh, before that, obviously, we, we have um, a lot of great stuff to talk about when it comes to Riptide, when it comes to events that are coming after. Um, and I would like to say, big news. This is the first episode where I have a new chair. Where the, this is the beginning of a new era. Um, eagle-eyed viewers might be able to tell that my chair broke during an episode a few weeks ago, and I've been, like, borrowing a chair. But no, I, I bought one. I bought one off of, uh, hey, I bought it off Amazon. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Uh, and this is the start of a new era, so it's it's a perfect time to talk about kind of the era of melee that we're looking at, and, and a past era as well. But uh, before we do any of that, let's talk to our good friend Edwin Budding. Edwin Budding, what is going on? You're you're kind of in your guitar era right now. Yeah, I've been I've been definitely playing more guitar, doing stuff outside of melee more often. I'll have a lot to talk about when it comes to our segment later but i'm really happy to be here and talk about a lot of really cool things that are happening in melee at the moment uh i'm happy to talk to them to you of course one thing i will say it, it's still taking some time to get used to our new although i guess not so new bi-weekly schedule that we're actually adhering to this time so well the yes. show is a little different my expectations heading into it are a little different because i know that we're not just going to be talking week to week to week but you know, very soon we're we're pretty due for a massive stretch of events coming coming across October and November yeah. and everything. I think now really feels like the calm before the storm, but it's not it's not boring, right? There's a lot to talk about. There's so many questions we have about the scene, so many things historically we've been reminded of that we're gonna get into later. But for now, um, I'm really excited to have a really cool special guest in Kadorn here. Uh, Kadorn, you've already made your waiting for game appearance already, but I don't think I was on that episode. I think I, it was. Just I, you. I'm looking forward to my uh, melee stats jacket. I thought he wouldn't remember. Times. Yeah. So, like, Damn. you guys uh, shouldn't invite me any more than two more times at this point. Uh, I mean, it, honestly, it should be one more time since I made that Dark Genix appearance, but I I'm waiting for it. Yeah, mm. you weren't invited onto that episode. See, that's how we. You well, when you invited Dark Genix, you also invited me unknowingly. You know. All right. <laughs> well, this time around, you're actually invited. This is, you know, like uh, the vampire. You, we invited you into our homes, and uh, instead of feasting on our blood, we're gonna have a good conversation about melee. Yes, yes. I mean, I, you know, every now and then, because like I was a melee spectator first. I'm a huge melee fan, and every now and then, I get necroed comments in the YouTube comments, like from like. Oh, PP versus Hbox and Evo 2015. And we'll, like, you know, I just like type some comments like, wow, great plays from PP. And then eight years later, I get this this one random comment like, oh my God, you're top 10 Kadoran. Hi, hi. <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell? This comment's from eight years ago and you chose to. Uh, it, it, it's it's a little. I, I get surprised, but I get that comment like once a month, it feels like, because I used to comment like a lot of. It is true. Kadoran used to comment on a lot of things. And a, a fun fact that many people don't under, d may not know, Kadoran was actually a fan of me before I was a fan of him. Oh my god. I'm so <laughs> over this. You you're now begin to introduce yourself to people, and then you give them this question. You go up to people, and I won't say their name, who are almost locks for top 100. And then you go, 
do you think that you're a bigger fan of me or I'm a bigger fan of you? And it's just like, this is why you can't go to events, man. You're, you're delicate. You're too delicate for this. Edwin is just simply falling to steps of the crimson blur, and I, I, I simply. Oh no, God! <laughs> I, I've seen you two talk a lot, and it's like you know what? I respect the mantle that you're trying to uh, pass on here, but uh, yeah. Point being is, I am a melee fan first. There's so much things to talk about, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, why don't why don't we talk about uh, some things? Yeah. Well, speaking of the crimson blur, uh, kind of like how the last time we talked about a major tournament, we we made a. Ch- uh, we made like a, a choice. It was definitely a decision to spend a non-trivial amount of time talking about how we had a, a hotel party that we invited HBox to, uh, which famously I did dap him up. <laughs> <laughs> much um, to my horror. Much, to my- <laughs> much yes. It, you it, you were scared. It was like an A24 uh, horror film, basically. Uh, but for me, it was like an A24 uh, comedy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so before we get into Riptide, because that is a tournament that has a lot of insane results, um, I want to talk about, I had a wonderful trip at Riptide, number one. Now, Kadoran, you've been there, so maybe we'll weigh in on this. I think people who say Sandusky, Ohio sucks don't have the right to speak. You weren't in Sandusky, Ohio. You were in the <laughs> Kalihar Resorts. You didn't leave. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I probably would say that Sandusky, Ohio sucks. I just like, you didn't see it. Um, so I enjoyed myself, and one of the things that I, I took most from this trip um, was my shuttle rides. I had mm. I had shuttle rides where, by by the grace of God, um, one crimson blur happened to sit in front of me <laughs> on both rides, and I had I had quite an experience. The first time we kind of just talked about um, basketball, and he told me that like Marth actually does lose to Pichu, so like any Marth main shouldn't be uh, shamed if that happens. Kadoran. Pikachu, Thoughts? right? Not Pichu. Uh, Pichu. No, are we, are Pichu. We, are, are, we, are we bringing up the right low tier that we're talking about here? <laughs> he said it's really, really hard. <laughs> are you sure um, he are you sure you didn't mishear him and he meant to say Pikachu or Pichu? <laughs> no, no, he said Pichu's hard. <laughs> so, well, um, can you blame Blur? He he did, you know. Did he like fight like Codeman and unranked or something recently and he, he needs to find a new way to cope. It's like, I, 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 that's kind of a little random for me. I've heard a lot of takes on Blur, but that one's new to me. I will say, I was sitting next to, uh, we'll talk about, obviously, the, the Melee Stats players here. I was sitting next to Abe, and Abe, of course, had a set with Codeman that went closer than maybe Anna would want. Um, and Abe was like, yeah, yeah, Pichu is hard. He probably got bullied by Leffen's Pichu. That's probably what happened. I don't know. I, I've heard the stories of the Lef and Abe friendlies. I heard that they don't happen anymore. But uh, So I had a wonderful ride there, but the, the real treat was the ride back where it was just me and him. Uh, and we started to talk about food. And then really quickly, he, he went into, like, who deems, uh, like, how we value each other's consciousness. And I was like, damn, okay, we're going into it. And he told me that he wants to be immortal. Uh, he told me that he's got a lot of questions and he needs them all answered. It was it was really interesting. Blur is a man of the world, and uh, he is he's seeking to find all these answers. He kept asking me why we're we're put on Earth, and uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's something that we at the end of the show can figure out. But definitely we can figure out some melee questions. Uh, so first off, Kudorin, you went to Riptide twenty twenty one. Yeah, last year. is that your first this year? Yeah. Was that your first water park tournament? Well, I mean, 
if I was placed here on this earth for one reason, it's to attend Smash Brothers tournaments. And, you know, having that unique appeal of having a water park tournament, but at the same time, it was during, like, the peak of the pandemic. I did not participate in any <laughs> uh, water festivities at the time. But if I were to go again this year, I would have tried. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it was it was good. Um, it had a lot of space. It had a lot of venue. Um mm-hmm. And I did not, I did not go outside of the hotel. Uh, the thing that was a little bit of a detractment was that because the hotel was kind of like isolated from everywhere else, like there was very little Uber Eats options. But no, aside from that, it was that was good. Um, it was like my first top eight at a notable major. Yeah, only to get four stocked and taunted by Wizzy. <laughs> F that guy. So remember that. But uh. No, it was it was it was fun. It was like my first exposure, like, cause like I was so used to netplay tournaments at the time, and uh, having that crowd be behind, like, just being there at all, like that, that was an experience, a necessary experience for my growth as a player. Yeah, I, I definitely, I'm glad that the when you talk about exposure in 2021, it's not. Uh... It's not to the the deadly virus that we talked about. Um, yeah, that I, I, it's it's really funny that this was my first water park tournament because it really feels like out of nowhere these became things that were pretty hard to avoid and and you kind of get side eyed if you've never been to one. It's like oh you've never been to you've never been to a water park tournament really? uh, where I think a few years ago it definitely was something it was more of a novelty that is kind of just becoming something that we're seeing a lot of. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a I had a pretty good time, and uh, this one I thought, you know, it's it wasn't the same as Riptide twenty twenty one. Obviously, that was the kind of big return major for everything. Mm-hmm. But we saw a good event. Edwin Budding, you did not go. Uh, as Kadoran said, you are afraid of going to events. You mm-hmm. don't go to really a lot of events. What was your your like uh, read on this entire thing? Um. You know, as far as one thing, one thing I'll say as, as someone who is watching at home and following a lot of the discourse online, I did see a, a good amount of discussion about the event scheduling. So, um, Kadoran, one thing I wanted to ask ask you about, just yeah. you know, from your experience as a competitor, is like, is is there such a thing? Like, you know, as as an event organizer, I guess you're an event organizer also, but like, you know, you it's you one of my expertise. Have, like, yeah, you have like two different kinds of attendees, right? Broad, very broadly speaking, you have the average attendee, then you have the top player experience, right? So, yeah. you know, we don't have to go too into the weeds too much, but could you tell me some of like uh, what you think are the pros and cons of Riptide scheduling? Like when it came to, I think it was top 24 to top eight on Sunday versus keeping Sundays constrained to top eight compared to, you know, having matches just, you know, allocated differently throughout the weekend. Um, just kind of talk about the pros and cons, in your opinion, having been on both ends of the aisle for Riptide's um, scheduling choices for, for its final matches. Yeah, I mean, to make things abundantly clear is that, like, you can't have a, the perfect schedule that perfectly accommodates to absolutely everyone. You need to make opportunity costs of what makes the most sense, you know, what would optimize the in-person experience, the stream experience, the top player scheduling. And I like, you know, to, you know, the limits of my expertise is mostly around like the local regional online level. I've never ran like a big major. So like, I can't really like say, criticize too much 
But with that being said, I do have connections with some very notable guy that has ran a lot of majors and uh, has critiqued a lot of scheduling in the past. And uh, obviously that's Blur. And like the pros of, you know, the schedules that Riptide was running was that like, I guess like the first two days are very easy on the pros. Like, you know, you don't need to fly in Friday. Um, you didn't really have any too much hard matches day two. Um, given how like uh, the depth of the competition was not say it was not a stack to say shine. So like round two pools was like relatively easy for like the top top level competitors. Um, I'd say that was just about like the the pros that I see anyways. Maybe like maybe it also made other things easier to schedule. That's like the immediate pro that hops in my mind. The cons on the other hand was like I thought like Friday and Saturday was like not really worth watching. Mm. Uh, to put it a little bit bluntly, like I did not really see too much entertaining. Like the 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 most entertaining match was Ginger versus Lunar Dusk at in day two. Yeah, that's it. That was kind of it, really. Like everything else was like either like a wash or like a very minor upset. And it's like, you know, if it had like Shine's round two level of talent, maybe like it, it would have made up for that. But like since the round two pools was like not nearly as like in depth of a talent, it kind of just like felt pretty bloated without like too many like high level gameplay to like appetize the viewers. Mm -hmm. And for day three. I don't really see how, like, day three really, like, like, because, like, I'm thinking immediately as a competitor. I'm West Coast time. I'm already annoyed getting up at 10 a.m., but that's 7 a.m. West Coast time, and I hate that. And I need to get up, like, an hour earlier to, like, prepare and all that. So, like, already as a top player, me getting up that early for, like, top 32 Sunday sucks, sucks a lot. And like, because like the reason why it sucks a lot is because I need to play my absolute best. Not, I'm just not, I'm not just only showing up. I have to also play my best at already like the highest level of melee. So that's already like really, really tough, especially as a West Coaster. Uh, secondly, as a viewer, like I, I don't know if I also want like the West Coasters game up at 7 a.m. to watch top 32. Like that, I, I don't know how many would watch melee at 10 a.m. if I'm being honest, but 7 a.m. that's a, huge tall order so like i think like the pros is that like, i guess for like the t tippity top it's it's pretty easy schedule you really only have to worry about one day but the massive cons is i think stream qual like the stream really suffered as a result like i think it could have had like twice the viewers if like the ramp up and like the scheduling was a little bit more accommodating towards like both coasts of the viewers I guess maybe maybe a pro is that the EU viewers appreciated the time slot. <laughs> True. Well, we don't we don't tend to care for that when it comes to this type of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think you're right. Like when when you say that there are tons of different things, no one will be happy. There's going to be nothing that makes everyone happy. Uh, and I think when stuff gets put out into the world, you could, like people will see. Be it whatever, like whatever comes to any of this. Um, if it's a schedule you, or you put out your seating or your ranking or your whatever, or just like opinions on anything, um, someone will not be happy. And then it just feels like, well, we can't do anything right. But it's like, well, no matter what you do, people don't talk when they're happy about something. They only talk to complain. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I am a, a, a fan of people doing different schedules. I, I do think that uh, 
if we all had one schedule and it was like, yes, this is what you do. You do this schedule and this is how you run a major. Um, I think that that would maybe not be the best. Uh, there's definitely people who, like you said, people are affected by schedules. And if every single schedule is like not accommodating for someone, uh, then that would be a problem. I, I guess, Edwin, you have thoughts on this. You are you are a little schedule man. We talk about schedules. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Riptide schedule? Uh, you know, I, I will say, I, I, I don't think my views on viewership as far as like my personal comfort are indicative with the, with the general audience. I actually kind of, because I'm East Coast, I kind of love getting up in the morning and then immediately watching Melee. But you also I, have a bedtime, don't you? <laughs> can't so relate. you wake up early. Actually, yeah. never mind. We'll, we'll ask your opinion, but only to know what to not do. Be <laughs> 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 used specifically at the opposite. Yeah, so don't run, uh, don't stream matches at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Uh, East Coast or cent Central Time. Uh, if you if you want the bedtime people waking up in the morning, you can do that. But I don't think that's indicative of most of the Smash audience. And I think like it's sort of easy to view viewership as this abstract thing that doesn't impact a tournament's bottom line. But the but the because it's because it's not like immediate, right? So it's like you see a number go up and you kind of understand that's good. But I, I think a lot of people don't think of it in terms of like a lot of TOs are, you know, reasonably uh, thinking about how to make their event the best possible, the best event it can be for attendees, right? So like I think for a lot of TOs, they're not equipped with the resources or they don't have necessarily, you know, the the luxury of thinking very long. Well, I sell this high viewership to a sponsor, right? Mm -hmm. I, th I think for a lot of the volunteer teams behind majors, let alone like the major heads themselves, they're thinking in terms of like, how to make the in-person experience as good as possible for everyone, right? But Kadarn, I think you, um, I think you bring up some pretty good points with the with the with the problems behind that, right? Like you you talk about it from a top player standpoint, but you also the one thing that I appreciate that you brought up is you're bringing up from a spectator standpoint too, because one of the one of the best parts of going to majors is 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 seeing like you know those round two pools matches. Yeah, you're so, you're in a melee tournament. You're watching yeah. a melee. Yeah, watching a lot of melee. You know. <laughs> talking about sets with your friends, you know, seeing one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things about majors is, you know, day two hearing something like, Oh my God, uh, shoot at just, okay. I, this wasn't actually my favorite thing. This is actually one of my least favorite things, but, but just, <laughs> <laughs> like, like shoot at just took a game off Ben with Mario or something. Right. We're playing yeah. Mario versus Luigi. This is what Blur told me. Blur yeah. went, went up to me and said, this is history in the making. So, yeah, so it's like little moments like that, or moments when you hear that, like a local, like, like I'm just making this up off the top of my head, right? It could be like, oh, Doc, Doctor Lobster took Game One versus Spark or something, right? What? And seeing everyone, let's that, go. That's what yeah, happens. Everyone's like rushing over to the setup, trying to see what's happening. And moments like that are so great at mm -hmm. at a it's some of my favorite ever, really. But I think, uh, you know, what what you mentioned before with regards to like, you know, what kind of entrance are being there, what kind of matches can we expect to see in round two at shine versus at riptide or at lost tech city or any, anything else like that right so i think it really um this kind of topic really depends on the tournament's needs as well as like the resources that are feasibly available to them now is riptide like does it have the same prestige or resources that a tournament like genesis SmashCon, big house have i don't think so yet but but i think it's you know thinking about I the long prestigious and wave dash yeah, so I th I think that like it, if it's on that same level, I don't think it it quite. 
I can't really blame the organizers for thinking in terms of like, you know, how to maximize viewership for a three day weekend. Because I think, I think, you know, there's, there's few events that can really think back, afford to think uh, with that kind of long-term approach. But I think what you mentioned with regards to like the in-person experience is is certainly relevant. So, yeah, I, I mean, it depends on what resources are available to determine what they're, what they're trying to accomplish and who's there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like, I don't really know Riptide's goals, like, you know, viewership may not be their biggest goal. And you know what, that's respectable. But like, hotel rooms might be, might be there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so it's like, but it's like, you know, like, viewership is important, like, at the end of the day. And it's like, um, it's like, yeah, I just want to make it make it clear. I think viewership is extremely important because it's because it's a potential uh, alter, alternate revenue source for tournaments, right? Like if you can sell watch time hours to uh, that mate mate or, or uh, even even beyond that, even beyond like the sponsorship deals, it's like it's just like more people that might yeah. want to go to Reptile next time. Like you know, Apex 2015, one of the worst brand events ever in Melee's history. That was one of the first tournaments I've ever watched, and it was the greatest yeah. tournament. To this day, it is still like the greatest viewing experience I've ever had as a spectator, and it's like I don't know. I, I Smash Summit Eleven was pretty was pretty great for for us, but we get... in person, in person, I agree. But like as like yeah, a stream really... spectator point of view, and like the storylines, yeah. and like how like even though like the in person experience was horrible, like as a spectator, like if it wasn't for Apex twenty fifteen, that's already like thousands of attendees that might not even be in the melee at all i i i do think it had that much of an impact because Wait, of like, do you have any uh any closing thoughts on this any way to wrap a bow tie on it yeah um i mean at the end of the day you just really need to think about want to play round two pools in day one and it's like oh but i want friday off and it's like you you can't you can't please them all you just have to like do what makes the most sense in terms of your return and investment because hey you know like getting like half your attendees can't make day one then i would say like okay yeah since like at least half of your revenue comes from two day passes i think that's actually a solid argument but like when it's like less than five percent it's like then like why are you structuring your whole event that sort of punishes the three-day attendees, you know? Uh so like I, I, I do think at the end of the day, you just need to weigh what will benefit the most. And, you know, just historically speaking, like it's it's usually about, you know, a good balance between optimizing the viewers, catering a little bit to the top players, and like really making an in-person experience like a fun Smash Brothers tournament. Okay. That's that's I'm like a little, I guess, now I'm a little worried that you you're do you only want top players to be catered to a little bit? Are you like gonna quit or something? I've never heard a top <laughs> player be like be like, no, we should not be pampered. Top top players like will complain about like you know noon top thirty two starting, and it's like I I think that's the line. It's like okay, ten a.m. It's it's a little annoying, and I'll put it with it, but like there, there will be, still be some that like will complain at like two p.m. pools, and it's like. like you gotta draw the line somewhere that's reasonable yeah i don't know i feel like uh we need to here how about this how about this only run two day events what does this day three give us doubles is dead the only one doubles team that exists right now fly guys okay all right (laughs) in (laughs) jamie 
it's like the there's no shadow. True, they're the only ones that I don't think they go to in person events. Well, they're, they're, uh, like at the same time, because like we we just only run doubles in day one instead of saving it for day three. It's like why would Tempo and Run Riot ever go to these? Yeah, I mean, well, why would you go for a tournament if you play doubles day one and then have to wait till day three to end? I don't. There's a lot of things here, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Blur. Hey, it's the Blur episode, I guess. His his shadow looms large over this episode. Blur was standing there Friday, 8 p.m., uh, and he said, look, no one's watching. I was like, yeah, yeah. it's Friday at 8 p.m. Everyone's like, they're having fun. And he's like, they, they shouldn't be having doubles like this. I was like, what? Uh, okay, so I, I asked him. I said, Blur, what should we have? And he said, look at the old schedules. I was like, no, what should we have? And he said, just look at any schedule I used to make in 2015. I was like, no, Blur, instead of doubles, what do we have? And then he, he like eventually goes, I'd throw an exhibition. I'm like, okay, who are you, who are you getting for this exhibition? And then he like refuses to answer. I, I do think that there is a kind of idea of like uh, grass is greener type thing where we say like, oh, well, this schedule's bad. Uh, and then like, just imagine that the, a better one could happen without any actual stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, as it stands right now, like uh, are doubles exciting to watch on Friday? Not particularly, especially now when like doubles does not even really particularly matter. Uh, because there are no static teams and does round one singles really affect that maybe maybe it pushes the needle a little bit like we're gonna see that for big house big house is running round one singles some on friday oh, thank uh, God. i mean is that going to be like a lightning rod for viewers that they can watch uh like i don't know ginger no. uh four stock like the i, I the think there's the best player in iowa play, but i'm old school yeah, I mean, we've got a, there's a ton of stuff here, right? Like, you know, the attendee experience is shine people really like, but you also, it's very odd seeing people who are qualifying for day three, uh, and then people play like round one pools at the same time. There's a, like, the way that they kind of cascade, it's very weird, um, and it's not intuitive to the viewer. And then, honestly, I will say this I walked out of shine top 12 because I was like, this top 12 is going on too long. Top 12 is too much in one sitting um it's just like it's already a game that that is not made by sakurai <laughs> it's already a game that's long mm -hmm. um and i do think like lengthening a top eight to top 12 is not something that kept my viewership uh even in-person viewership <laughs> so yeah i don't I, there's it's like i i want to see more people do stuff uh and i do like that you say that there's no correct there's nothing correct right now like right we are still trying to figure out what's going on um and yeah, maybe Blur talks about exhibitions. I doubt Blur is making an exhibition. I don't. Well, he, he's not, he's not put, anything. He's not putting that on. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, like, yes, but, but like when he would do Kings of Cali, he would like try to get Ken and Azin to like get together, and that's like for yeah. his Kings of Cali. You know, we we've got we've got someone trying to do Millionaire uh, until it it kind of hits this. <laughs> uh, it's this level where everyone's Please like, face. oh, I guess this is here all the time. Uh, that's a good Friday thing, right? There's all this stuff Friday that you can be having. And Edwin Bunny, you have a burning question. You have desires that you need to talk about right now. You've been raising your hand like you, you're you a kid in school who needs to go to the bathroom. So let it out. What, what What's your what's inside your heart? I think every Friday should be a Melee Stats Friday. Just have me, Wheat, Ambi, whoever our guests are on the front stage. We'll be, we'll be rock stars. We'll be getting hundreds of people, if not thousands. Okay. Uh, so, person for so, 
for day one. Oh, I would watch. It'll yeah, be yeah. it'll be like a like a sports center desk kind of thing. Yeah, you, right? you got my support, Edwin. Yeah, I, okay. I, I know. I got it is, support. you know, it is. Um, we're trying to improve viewership here, and I hate to <laughs> hate to kind of you know pull back the curtain, but we have 13 <laughs> viewers on Twitch right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Um, Good time. How long have we been doing this? 13 loyal viewers watching. Too long, dude. Okay, do you know what? Do you know what? Um. We have uh, we have merch that says established 2016 because that's technically when the we like first talked about doing a group of just people who like liked stats and like to talk about them. Um, but but we use 2016 as like our, the established by date. Do you know? Have you seen Panda merch? Panda merch is like established 2015. And I'm like, <laughs> damn, OK, well, are, are we at where Panda was a year ago? The, the question is resoundingly the answer to that question is as a resounding no. Um, <laughs> but okay that's getting ahead but uh, the idea the idea and spirit of having content friday obviously this is not something that is, is easy to do um anytime you're adding something additional to an event one you would be having to schedule it so like you already have doubles and stuff uh so you're either going okay well instead of running doubles on stream we'll do millionaire or something or you go okay well then we're gonna have to run doubles on stream the next the best day part about ceo was a plop gauntlet yeah the, yeah, the plop showdown. Showdown. <laughs> i think stuff like that's great that's also put on by people who that was not ceo that was red pool like I, know. <laughs> I, I would love this to be a thing um but it is just like it's a lot to ask for uh and and i will say i remember growing up in the in the age where there was uh <laughs> People were floated. They would float top 64. <laughs> and the That's idea crazy. was that we would have great content on Friday. And then all the top players didn't want to do anything. They're mm -hmm. like, wait, I don't want to play. It's Friday. I just flew in. Or like, it's Friday. I want to drink with my friends. Um, so maybe, you know, we, we are still trying to figure out a, a way to get viewership and also have some sort of schedule that has both, you know, what works for viewers, works for competitors works for everyone um so we're still trying to figure that out and i'm i want to see how big house is going to do it because they have been someone who always did top 64 to, to end on sunday i always thought that was insane and also does explain why plup would get 3-0'd by an ic's player at 8 a.m or 10 a.m or whatever um but yeah i want to see what their schedule's looking at like this year because they already have I friday mean, they're, gonna, round they're gonna have regional cruise friday so they got friday's content on lock yeah, well, they have they have a schedule out, and it does say um, round one pools on Friday. So that's an interesting thing that we haven't seen at events recently, um, because we used to view that as something that was not good. We we're like, I remember the first time Friday was all doubles. People were like, "This rocks," and then everyone did it, and now we have this conversation. Yeah, um, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about scheduling. Uh, I actually was going to say that we should talk about the tournament of Riptide itself. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have anything you need to say before we go on, please do. It's already been talked a lot. I mean, there's like a video about it in my channel. Ooh, good Let's plug. Talk. Where can they find that video, Kadoran? YouTube.com slash C slash Kadoran. Nice. Um, but yeah, let's talk about what happened here because we had a pretty fun tournament. Uh, and I saw someone say this was one of the most upset-filled tournaments they've ever seen. I don't agree, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't okay, see how okay. that's a thing. I mean, sure. Like I've got to be honest, no. But it was it fun to watch. It was yeah, it was an interesting. Maybe watch. a recent memory. 
in the past week, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's our average attention span, so. True. <laughs> but regardless, this was an interesting thing. Um, Kodoran, you, you know, you were, you're usually uh, on, like, the near Scurzo level of attending a lot of stuff. This one you stepped back from, though. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the event? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, me and Dark Genix did, like, a fun betting game of, of oh. top 32 we did odds for each and like we hey, counted points uh, and i barely won 20 to 19 because like well to, to be to give some credit about the most upset bill tourney of all time um there <laughs> was a lot of upsets you know yeah. i didn't think ass beat lod uh dark Genesis didn't think sj would beat zane no. um i didn't think that uh you know a lot of things would happen and uh it was it was fun to watch aside from the fact that i had to get up at 7 a.m at that but um no i i i thoroughly enjoyed at least watching winners quarters like uh, like i i actually enjoyed watching most of it honestly mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean seeing moki beat a peach was huge uh true um seeing uh suj make a reverse 3-0 that was ginormous uh first time suj has been in zane and lan Mm -hmm. No, not not well. Since Zane's ascension, that is, uh, seeing Axe just destroy Laud in a three zero fat twice on Dreamland, that yeah. was amazing to see. Um, seeing freaking like for did you all think for like a hot second that Wally was just gonna three zero Zane again? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. When he was up three stocks to one, I was like, what? What is going? What? Like uh, I was like, damn, okay, he's got it like that. <laughs> it's like we all thought that. Like I, I thought Zayn would be up three stocks to one, not uh, like. <laughs> um, so there was that plus like the amount of stitches that they both pulled against Zayn. Uh, I'm glad yeah. to see Zayn still overcome that. Um, as well as like Zayn being down 0-2 against Axe. But, but like you know, I, I, I don't want to be the one hogging what I thought was like very notable what about what about youtube what, <laughs> well you out? took all the good ones i will <laughs> say uh due to recent rulings that twitch made about gambling you of course were joking when you say that you were making bets uh off stream, no, I, off don't, stream. I don't i don't want to even get into this drama um no i think you picked a lot of great sets edwin budding i'm gonna say one set that i thought was horrible and then we will sandwich it in between the great sets kadoran picked and the great picks that the sets that you were going to pick but i just want to say i recorded all of zuppy versus abe um was abe was up four, abe was up four stocks to two on uh on Dude. game game five on pokemon uh zuppy won with two stocks left and i will say <laughs> this is the only reason why but we should ban on frozen <laughs> stadium that that like what we the should ban ban unfrozen stadium we that's the set that you pick stadium. that's the i said i i need to bring this up hey but what about what about what about ag zuppy yeah I, th I, I think that that is also it's karma it's karma for zuppy 3-0 grab and then three <laughs> uh, beating, beating uh Abe last game by making like a four stock comeback this is karma right you know <laughs> you can only do so much to the melee stats marths before it, it ends up you know, the, the poetry, the last guest that we had on Melee Stats on, on Waiting for Game was Axe. So he came <laughs> back to, to seek his revenge. Um, I wanted to bring up these very sad sets so we could, it's it's like when you're uh, saying something to a coworker, right? To like a subordinate, you pull them into your office. 
and you're like, you've been, you've been dressing really well recently. We're, we're probably going to fire you soon. But have you been hitting the gym? You look great. You know, like compliment sandwich. So we're doing that with sets. You bring up great sets. I bring up horrible sets that make me feel like just pain. And then Edwin brings up some wonderful sets. So Edwin, what did you see that was uh, entertaining to you? Hmm. You know, it, I'm so glad that uh, you added that stipulation because I do want to bring up, uh, I want to bring up two very thrilling. I was going to bring up two very demoralizing sets, but instead I'm going to bring up two heartbreaking, but very good sets. What uh, is, what is with us where our first inclination is like, okay, what, what sets made me look, feel the worst? Like, Honey box won the tournament. I mean, we're naturally going to think of the yeah. heartbreak, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think a good, the good kind of heartbreaking set, uh, I was really impressed with uh, J's sets against uh, Plup and JMook. And, and I yeah. know he lost those sets. Ultimately, that's what's going to show up in the box score or whatever. But I think if you're an J fan, it's extremely encouraging, given that I would honestly say within the field, maybe, you know, because they train all the time, it's a little tough to say. But, like, other than, like, maybe, other than probably Mango, I would have honestly said JMook and Plup were his hardest opponents. And I gotta say, those sets look doable. Like, I like, do I think he's gonna take it that close every time? Probably not. But like, I think if you're an SJ fan, between him beating, you know, potentially the best player in the world, and then taking two of his hardest uh, bracket demons that close, I think there's a lot to walk away from this event. Like, pretty happy about with, with him. Like, I think uh, I was just in, in general. I, I think his placement at this event is a little like misleading. What do yeah. you finish? fourth yeah he finished fourth place but it was like for him specifically that was one of the hardest fourth places he he could have had so i i walked away from this event at least via the eye test thinking much more fondly or, or not fondly weird word thinking much more favorably of suj and his chances against the top level field Doran, what do you think i mean suj everybody knows that he's really good it's just a matter of if he shows up because like honestly speaking like just knowing like his skill and how much he's farmed me like i always thought he had like a chance versus zane like i, I didn't think it was like like some people were like treating it as if like oh it's only like a one percent chance that sj could beat zane and like i don't know about that like the big downfall of sj in my opinion is like when he just like decides to like like, like he, he just, like, shows up in some tourneys not very well prepared. Like, I think probably one of the better examples is my set versus SJ actually at, at Shine, where it's like, you know, he, he mm -hmm. got, he tried to double jump to the ledge, and I down tilted him for that. It's like every, every Falcon should be able to sweet spot around down tilt. Like, he was not edge guarding. Very clearly, he was playing a little off, and I took full advantage of that. But it's like, I just knew that was not SJ's best. And, like, you know, there was, like, a period of time where, like, SJ's hands broke. Like, it's not very public, but, like, he was having hand pains and therefore could not practice very much. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah, I saw his gameplay. Like, like I think S2J, when he is prepared very well, he's well-practiced, he's not too nervous about a set, like, top five player. Like, uh, he, he could, he's very well could be a top five player. It's just that, for whatever reason, it, it doesn't show every time. And I think this was one of the few, like, Maybe the first time where we saw like top five form SJ, you know? Yeah, I definitely think in a lot of ways, and we've brought a bunch of stuff up. Riptide doesn't feel like a tournament that maybe has 
a ton of stuff going on in, in terms of just like storylines or stuff like that, like big sets. Obviously, when you have a, a lot of these top players, you will get some. We've been talking about them, but I think where Riptide is going to come in handy in the future is it's it probably has the start of a ton of big storylines that we're going to see. And and you mentioned the the sets, right? Axe, we saw Axe beat Lot. That is incredible. Like he three would Lot. If we see Axe continue, then we can look back at Riptide and go like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Um, Moki beating a Peach is something that you mentioned, right? Like uh, we we might see Moki continue his success, but SJ is one. We're talking about him right now, and he's just like this huge example of someone who I think is impossible to sleep on. Uh, he's kind of like Axe in that way, where even though you see the results that some tournaments might not be uh, like top 10 level to a 15 level, like I will never count Axe out. I will never count Johnny out. I think that both of them just have like this. I mean, they're veterans of the game, uh, but they've got this X factor that like really makes it hard to ever say that they're not going to do well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that we do see more of what we saw from SJ this weekend and honestly sj at wave dash that jmook set was pretty close <laughs> so like <clears throat> i i think that you know we we might be seeing more of him because he got some tough opponents edwin i think you mentioned like jmook and plop people who you don't want to run into if you are captain falcon main um so i hope to see more of that from him and honestly you know we're talking about all these storylines when it comes to like uh players and how this is continuing the trends that they've already been having and and might like go further and and push them um if there's anything that this did that this continued the trend for hbox hbox came into the year you know he was as a leftover from last year from 2021 we were kind of sleeping on him um, although I did get premonitions right before Genesis that it wasn't going to go well, that he was going to do well. Um, and, uh, the, the entire of the year, like he has changed perception of, of how, what his peak can be and how good he is. And I guess what I have to ask right here, you know, we saw him win another tournament. This is a tournament that, uh, he already won Gommel. He already won wave dash. He wins riptide. Are we going to see a year where H box legitimately can end the year number one again? Kadoran, you are a player who you were both A tier players. <laughs> You're in his same yeah, tier. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously I have the same <laughs> potential as H Fox. I could be number one. You know, sim- if I just simply win Ludwig and Big House and Summit, uh yeah, yeah. you know, you can you can argue me for number one. Um what do I so like I think the more interesting question to ask is what are the odds that H Fox can end the year number one? Because the answer is yes. Yes, he obviously can. I mean, like, obviously right now Zane is number one, but it's like, it's not a very yeah, strong number one. Uh, it's, it's like, there's still like three more super majors left of the of the year. Like, this is probably the most jam-packed section of tourneys that we'll have all year. Yeah. Um, so, the question is, what is the odds? Because, yes, yes, he could do it. Um, I think the odds are roughly... I'll give HBox 30% odds that he could make end as number one. Do you want to give a little breakdown? Of yeah, like, I, I think I think Zane, Zane is, like, 40% chance. Uh, oh, okay. Wow, close. Like, uh, HBox is, like, 30. And Cody? Then, like, Cody is, like... I, I don't like Cody's odds because, like, he just took, like, a huge break and it's, like, he's going to be really rusty. And I, I, I think he's probably, like, not going to be at top form by the time he returns to Big House. So it's, like... 
that one's a little I, I don't think cody has very high odds like i guess like 10 percent chance wow uh and then like given how like how low activity and i don't i can't really tell how much of practicing like leffen club omsa like i i guess i would like uh, and then there's jmook it's like True. i'd give jmook like 10 15 odds uh like I, uh, obviously the math yeah, doesn't really add up i but, think we're over 100 at this point <laughs> yeah but but it's like the point being is that like i think hbox has the second best chance out of the field okay edwin budding i need to see hbox either do one of two things for me to consider this any more than a minimal possibility and i'm saying this as someone who has been owned before on this topic i said hungrybox didn't have a shot at winning gommel and he won gommel I said yeah. he didn't have a shot at winning number one. Now he's tied for the lead in no, whatever you want to call it, Mickey Mouse or not. He's won three big events. Zane's won three big events. IUW's won three big events. Now, do if we weigh them differently, does the value of those events change? Certainly. And this goes into my next point. I need to see Hungrybox not only win a legit like big event like Genesis or Summit or something, He's got to do it by beating someone other than Jmook. <laughs> this guy is just, he's Jmook is beating like all the people that can beat him or like all these tough opponents. And Hbox is just getting Jmook over and over and over again. Like, how, what, how many times do they play this year? Like, like eight, right? Those three won, he beat Jmook twice. Yeah, they, they played times. so many times. So, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to say it's impossible for HBox to be number one, but I think it is crazy to even say that he has like 10% chance less than Zane. Are are you are you people nuts? No, he he can't just keep beating JMook and winning these small events. Hungry Box, he's got to for me to think of him on the same level as Zane or someone like Cody. He's got to win an event like Gommel again, and he can't dodge people. He has and he can't just keep beating JMook. He's got to, like, when it comes to, you know, when, when those events turn around, his brackets are going to look different. If Hungrybox plays Leffen, do we have any reason to think he's going to defeat Leffen based on how their last sets go? It's not a 0% chance, but it's it's very unlikely. He's got So he hasn't shown that he can beat Leffen. He's shown that he can take a set off Zane, that it's not impossible, but it's still very unlikely. He's down in sets to IBDW. Mango, who he's had the lead for this year, uh, I would say he's still favored against, but it's not as free as it might have looked at the beginning of the year. And historically, that's that's kind of a rivalry where they've taken terms, turns turns uh, beating each other up a lot. And I, you know, frankly, I don't think Hungrybox is invincible against the field. We've seen him drop sets to Johnny this year. We've seen him drop sets to None. We've seen him drop a set to KJH. Now, I will say, hey, 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 hey. Moki. Yeah. <laughs> Those are it. That's it. That's the only people who drop sets to. But I, I don't know. I, I just think for 10% less than Zane, like, am I going to say it's impossible? No, but I, I still think he's got a long road ahead of him. He, he can't just beat Mook and he can't just win small events. He's got to win like, legit. Edwin, sorry, I invoked your, your real life name. Edwin Budding. Yes, he can. Yes, he <laughs> can. You let me... Let me tell you how this works. So he is currently signed up for low tier city. No, it's not called lost that. Tech. lost tech city. He is currently <laughs> signed up for lost tech city, uh, which has what it's got plop. It has Wizzy, It has Omset has J book. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds like a perfect major for him to win. Uh, would you would you call it a major? Maybe, but I think it gets called a major if he wins because that's what happened with Wave Dash, where I wasn't thinking Wave Dash was a major, and then he won, and suddenly he won two majors that year. Um, we've got all these events that I think can like kind of perfectly line up. Maybe he wins Apex over the same crowd of people, right? I, I think that he's done this in the past where he has lined up wins on like smaller events like right smaller however you want to dictate them um but like what okay let's look at uh do you remember 2018 where he didn't win genesis and then he didn't win summit and then he didn't win gommel or sorry he won gommel but it was a smaller one he didn't win smash and splash he didn't win evo he didn't win win smash con he didn't win shine it was all this type of stuff where like for a while he ended up putting the big house. That was kind of what <laughs> what sealed it. Um, and he won the big house. Big house did not have Armada. Ooh, we'll talk about that at some point. Um, but yeah, he's had he's had all these stretches where like he's not winning the big events, and he is he's kind of cleaning up the smaller ones. Um, and we've not seen a year where he goes through and does not win a big event and gets number one. But like, we'll see. Um, I think that this is a year where we have so much going on. We talked about it, right? We've got Big House. We've got, uh, got I mean, Lost Tech City, I guess, maybe if you want to count that. Um, but just in terms of stuff where everyone's going to be here, we've got Big House. We've got Ludwig's Ludwig. event. We've got Summit. We've got any sort of combination of Smash World Tour, Panda Cup, Main Stage. However, that ends up looking for the top. We've got all these tournaments. And honestly, if he takes one and then goes through and like wins the Apexes of the world... I don't know, man. The the I like, think he's got to win two. He's got to win no, two. Of the super. No, you're thinking of this as like a little numbers guy. I th- the four momentum that he has is just so big. It's like when yeah, it's like when it's, he won like eight events in a row, like in one of the years. It's like when Armada won eight events in a row, and then and then Hbox won eight events in a row, and then for some reason everyone was like, okay. This set at Summit determines who wins, who gets number one. And I was like, wait, I don't think it works like that. <laughs> like, I was like, Armada has winning records on everyone. He's like, he's got better. Uh, the storylines, the stakes. This is the one that counts. He didn't have winning records on everyone that year. I'm, I'm joking. But yeah, it was like, it was very funny how like, uh, it felt he's like. He just swooped in at the end. It felt like it was positioned where it was just like uh okay well this one is the tiebreaker like this one decides it all and i'm like but i think that like maybe that's not the case um and i'm saying that something similar could happen here i've seen this before where we go okay hbox is finally not number one for a year and it gets like august and then it's like wait hbox is pretty good and then it gets to fall and it's like okay well maybe hbox could be number one and then it gets a little further, and then suddenly the ballots. But we, it's hard to not put him at number one. But we, my good friend, you have to admit that with with like many events coming up, there's still a few yeah. that truly like carry the kind of prestige. Like like even in 2018, heading into winning the big house, like like he needed to win that, and he needed to win Summit that year, right? With these, with like like I think at some point when you're winning small events. You're gonna run into like diminishing returns if you just keep beating the same like three people, right? I don't know. His tweet, if he wins Apex and he'll be like, "This is my sixth major of the year," that tweet's <laughs> gonna go hard. That's gonna get so many likes. You don't understand that he could just say it, and then people will be like, 
he can say, I just won Apex. I'm number Algorithm, one in the world, bro. finally. Algorithm. <laughs> like, he could tweet that. And people are like, damn, okay, I guess he is. I guess he is number one in the world. He tweeted that he is. Um, I don't know. Like, we're in, we're in the year where there's so many people who can win events. Um, you mentioned, you know, we have so many events that can really turn the tides of everything. But we've got so many players who can win it. Let's say Leffen wins one. Uh, let's say Plup wins one. Maybe JMook takes one. Hbox wins the other. And then we're in like the situation where it's a f- toss up uh, of the big events. And if Hbox has the smaller events, if he wins mm. the the apexes and the low tides and the and the wave dashes of the world, that can't outweigh Genesis or like Summit. I can't. Man, you don't. You well, don't we'll know how see. It works. We'll see. Power of the content. The 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 tides are changing. Look, I don't want it to be like this. I agree. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, these flashy numbers of just like winning an event over JMook does not impress me. But I know that it impresses the the populace. I understand that. I'm like uh, Aaron Paul. I I just don't think he can. Uh, I don't think he can keep getting away with just beating JMook over and over and over again. <laughs> well, okay. First off, Aaron Paul. He didn't say I. I don't wait. He, okay, never mind. Remember when we did who? Which Breaking Bad character is everyone? Okay, we'll we'll, we'll do that later. Maybe Kadorian. Okay, I that? would like to counter Edwin's points a little. That there Please is do. no way that Hbox can beat you know IBDW, Leffen, Zane, and let me. Okay, so like it is true that some of Hbox's worst killers are. The Fox mains in their peak form. Like, I'm Leffin, saying he's do it. Or, yeah, right? yeah, like Leffin and Cody and, like, you know, Wizzy. Yes. I actually think those guys would destroy HBox in their peak form. But, but, one big distinction, Edwin, is that those guys have not been playing. Like, they are not, like, actively practicing, actively thinking about the Puff matchup. Do you really think that, like, they'll show up at top form? Because there's one side of the spectrum where HBox gets destroyed if he is, like, if they're playing at their absolute peak. And then there's also HBox in those same matches where they're playing a little off. They're, like, 80% there. I I, I would favor HBox 1,000% there. Because HBox is so good at at beating those players when they're a little off. Um I don't know. I think you're like ignoring a little, a little bit of context here that HBox's killers have not been showing up. I mean, part of the reason why HBox has only been farming JMook is because those guys aren't showing up, and it's like, at and like you know, HBox has only been getting better and better as these tourneys are progressing, which is why like I'm giving HBox fair odds here. Like, I think he can do it. It's not impossible for him to beat Zane, which I do think Zane is very favored. But who's to say that also Zane doesn't have his problem matchups too? Like, you know, like these Sheiks are a huge issue. Uh, and like, you know, Amsa, Axe, Wizzy coming back. Like, that's not good for Zane. So it's like, I don't think the gap I is up. You beat that's what you were referring to earlier. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. Damn, so like, I don't think the gap is as ginormous as you're making it out to be. Yeah. 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 You finally got it. Yeah. I finally just realized. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like I don't it's like because like I do agree that like H boss's killers they would destroy him, but I don't think they're at their peak form. Like they're not. It's yeah. like less, much less so than like preparing to specifically beat H box. I will say I thought the same thing about Leffen, and then Leffen four stocked him on Dreamland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was Leffen like playing his absolute best, and, and you you forget that his pound and his summit performance he was playing awful. 
Like, what if yeah. H-Block played him at that turn? He's, he would have beaten him. Yeah, but that, he's also playing Leffen that's, like, flying across the world, complaining, like, the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Leffen months in between tournaments where he's played H-Block. Also, like, like Leffen playing well doesn't just only beat H-Box. He beats everyone, so it's like, true. I don't... True, true. I guess it's not unique to... <laughs> yeah. Well, so we have to... You know, the, the whole thing here is that, okay, they, they might not be able to beat them. They might not be in shape to beat H-Box, of course. They have to get there. And as H-Box becomes this solid person who's not only a, a threat to place well tournaments, but is now a threat to win tournaments, he's probably going to get pretty good seeds. And the days of him having, like, uh, you know, a fifth seed at a tournament and having to play, like, Leffen or something in quarters is probably gone. Um you know, who knows what the future holds. Obviously, we have a lot of tournaments coming up and a lot can change. But he's going to start to have more favorable matchups coming up. And if he gets JMook or, you know, even Plup, although Plup has taken sets, of course, um, or, you know, put it, insert whatever person here, maybe Mango, even though Mango has taken sets. Like, there's there's favorable matchups that he would want to see, um, which he might get seeded into later in bracket. And honestly, if he gets those... We're seeing Axe do better. What if he gets Axe? Um, Axe is the eighth seed at something, right? HBox is the first seed. What if that happens? Like, there's all these situations where suddenly him getting a higher seed doesn't always mean it's a better bracket, but, like, we have more chances of him getting paths where he just goes further. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, who knows if Zane makes it that far to even play him in winner's finals or something like that. Who knows if Cody makes it that far? So we'll see. There's There's a lot of question marks surrounding this. Uh, and for a guy who is one attending a lot of events, which we have not seen from everyone else, uh, he's giving us a lot of data. And I don't know. I, I, I legitimately think that his case number one is is maybe something that uh, would shock people a few years ago. But I'm seeing something that I've saw years ago, or a few months ago. Uh, but I'm seeing something that I saw years ago, which was going into the year, looking at HBox the first couple months, and going, "Oh, he's not winning number one." And then slowly but surely, it happens in ways. And then I, I, practical task sends me a top 100 ballot, and then I have to just type in number one hungry box. You got to put an end to this, Kador, and you got to beat him again. Oh, I'm <laughs> trying. I'm trying. Well, you know, one place where you might beat him, and of course we don't know CD yet, but one place where you might beat him is Lost Tech City. Lost Tech City, uh, another LTC tournament. Um, probably not the best idea to name multiple tournaments LTC, but. This is going to be one in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, that's coming up not this weekend, but the next. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kador, you are going to that, right? That is correct. I have registered for Lost Tech City, and it is looking a little bit more stacked than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. So this was an event. Uh, it's a Panda Cup event. It's also a Smash World Tour Gold, I believe. Definitely something where, like, eh, it looks fun yeah, to whatever. snipe some points. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we love all circuits the same. Um <laughs> But you're right. It has become more stacked. Hungrybox has signed up. We have Amsa. We have Plup. Yeah. Um, you when I signed course... up, it looked just like Hbox, Plup, and like that was it. <laughs> well, that still sounds hard. But yeah, we've added, uh, or they, they've added Johnny, um, Sfat, Pipsqueak, Magi. Wizrobe is going. He's not going to go to, he's not signed up currently for Big House, but he's going to be at this. Um, I saw Mango streaming with the uh, title LTC practice. I don't know what that means. He's not signed up. Um, the so who knows? Bad mango. True, very true. But the the obviously you know the takeaway from this is that this is an event that kind of slowly became very stacked. 
Um, mm-hmm. Oh, we've got Axe here as well. Speaking of people who you know we were just talking about, um, so this is an event that like definitely got became a little more of like a, you know, what do you want to call it? Like Riptide what's your word for this? You hate Riptide. I think Riptide's more stacked than this. <laughs> that, uh, sure, <laughs> that was supposed to be a compliment, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still, for some reason, I took offense to you calling uh, Shine significantly more stacked than Riptide. Oh, no, not more stacked. It had, like, better death. Okay, I guess. Like, at, like, round two level death. That's what I meant. All right, well, we're, we're like, an hour past that conversation anyway, so Whatever. I won't, I won't leave this. Uh, but yes, what, so this is an event. What are your expectations going into this event for yourself? Um, <laughs> win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean okay. like, it's to I, I think the probably the most interesting thing about this event is how's wizard gonna do we've only seen him in one tournament and that was yeah. smash factor smash nine factor. where like honestly like if he didn't win that event it would, it would be like ooh, like you lost to meds and eddie mexico but it's like no he won can he do well, better than that is, like he did drop a set to meds but it was one of those things where it's like one, I, I think while it's very reassuring that Wizard won the won the event, I don't think it's like I don't think the Wizard we saw at Smash Factor is like hundred percent Wizard. I am gonna go out on a limb and say that yeah. he looks well, we're, good. Yeah. We're trying to figure out if the wizard that we're gonna see here is hundred percent wizard. Yeah, we don't know that. I, so I think he'll I think he'll look a little better. I'm not willing to say that a drop set to meds on the same day that meds beat Johnny is necessarily yeah. like a terrible sign. I think that that probably, if I were to guess, Wizard's like like kind of range of possibilities at this event. I think it's him and SJ are kind of around like the, the same sphere. But I, I do think that the, his matchup spread is a little different in that I think Wizard like I think if we're, we're talking about opponents, Wizard would want to see. I think relatively speaking, I'm interested to see how he does against Hbox. I can't really tell how that would go. You know, if, if when, when Wizard was active, that looked very difficult for Hbox, even if it, it seemed yeah. doable. Um, I want to see what Amsa has in store for Wizard. Of course. Historically, that's a matchup that, you know, I think if we we're looking at the top level, like some of Amsa's hardest opponents would be Plup and Wizard, both of who are going to be at this event. But I think part mm-hmm. of the part of the fun of really like watching Amsa kind of develop or, you know, evolve over the course of his career seeing like what kind of options he comes into like facing like someone that just like beat him really badly last time and seeing like what he comes like what he takes back from the drawing board and like what new strategies he comes up with this is kind of like a really like interesting recurring theme in Amsa's career just in general that I'm sort of curious to see if like this is the kind of circumstance that could lead to Amsa like breaking a pretty long losing streak against Wizard or even or maybe or like or making an or having a much closer set than the than he did with Plup at Smash World Tour. So I think uh, yeah. <laughs> those would be two matchups I'm quite interested to see. It's going to be a tough one for him, so I will say. So this is supposedly, I, I believe this is his first major. I think he's going to be moved into Vancouver yeah, by this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just announced yeah. this, but he did say his movement dates very soon, um, which sounds insane, by the way. If I were... I mean, hey, I'm not a top player. <laughs> but if I were a Japanese top player who was moving to uh, um, Canada, I maybe would not do the event before Big House and then also, like, a couple weeks before Ludwig's event. Um, but that's why he's built different, right? He, you know, I mean, he's, 
That guy has never DQ'd out of a single event ever. It's insane. And he attends right now this year, his best year. He's been attending so much. I don't get it. He's, he's, yeah, like this is the thing that that Edwin talked about is that, like, you count him out versus people, and then he comes back and he's just like, no, I actually figured this out. I'm going to be better now. Um, So it's so hard to count him out. But that being said, We talk about, I mentioned that this is going to be an event where maybe it's not the most opportune timing coming after a big move. Even if that doesn't affect him, the pool of talent here is really hard. He's beaten HBox before, but really, open bracket HBox tournaments, open bracket HBox versus AMSA, those sets don't look particularly AMSA favored. Um, He's tended to do really well at summits, but open bracket we really haven't seen it. It's like 50-50. Yeah. Um, Wizzy, yeah, you talk about Wizzy, Plup. Johnny is someone who he's he's you know Johnny and none he's done well against in in fits but we've also talked about how SJJ has been looking a lot better and someone who like a weird killer for act for Amsa was always Axe yeah <laughs> it was like every time I'd be like dude I think Amsa's got this one I like I think he's gonna figure it out and then Axe just will like three of them it'll be like well, how did this work I don't understand anything that happened I watched the whole thing. And it's just like it did not make an imprint on my brain. Um, I think down smash is broken. Yeah, I think I think like funnily enough, like it started with Axe beating him like quite badly with both Pikachu and Young Link, like really early on. Then Amsa took like a couple sets or whatever, and then since then Axe has just like had his number. Yeah, yeah, it's there's definitely been sets that are not close um, mm-hmm. in Axe's favor. So, like, we'll see. This is going to be an interesting tournament for for Amsa, and, and I do want to see what him having a static North American location. By the way, Amsa, from one North American to another, welcome to our continent. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm what you see at the gate <laughs> when you enter. I I welcome everyone who is living here for a year. Uh, but yeah, I want to see what he's going to do with a year in America. Um, maybe not right in the beginning. Do I think that that uh, the rate of improvement and the and the ability that he has to connect with people, um, and just obviously the the travel woes, like not having to deal with that, uh, we might not see that right away. But I do want to see in the in the coming year what that looks like because Amsa is someone who has always been able to improve, um, like constantly in matchups that he's not good at, you know, able to kind of patch these holes. Uh, so giving him like a a better, just like overall um, chance of of you know, not being jet lagged, not having to deal with all these outside forces. Which is um, funny because like, he's never complained about that ever. No, no. But like, you know that like this will help him out so much. Yes, I hope so. It'd be weird if he he <laughs> took like, he, a two, worse. <laughs> he took a two hour flight and he's just like I don't. I, he's like it's the same time zone. I can't do this. <laughs> he's like I actually like the jet lag. It's actually yeah. like a two hour difference is way harder than like a sixteen hour difference. True. Well, hopefully he does well this weekend. I, I want it or next weekend. I, I do want to see him succeed. I do think that this is a tough one for him to succeed at. Um, how about this? Plup. Plup is someone I have no read on Plup. He won CEO. He got what? 13th at Genesis. He got second at, at uh, Riptide and Summit. And if you had to ask me right now how likely he is to win a tournament, I say probably pretty likely. Uh, and I'd probably also rank him like sixth best in the world so take that as you will um Mm -hmm. i have i've really you know i want to see him do well um and i think that he's able to do it this is going to be an interesting one for him because this feels like one that he should be able to win 
if you are kind of like making a tournament for that Plup would do well at, you would throw in Wistrip, who hasn't played in forever. You'd throw in S2J. Hey, Axe, throw him in there too, right? Like all these people, Hamsa. Like this is kind of a, a a tournament that like almost seems made for the Plup comeback. Um, but the question is HBox. John I, Co., what do I you just, think? Edwin. For a guy <laughs> that says that, like, HBox is not even close to Zane's level. If you swap HBox and Zane, who's more likely to win this tournament? <laughs> uh, well, like, this, okay, so, like, if, if I were just looking at the entrance right now, I'm thinking who's I'm scary. sorry, you're getting owned here. The, who's scary for Hungrybox? You're just I would pushing say, off your I think Buff is scary for Hungrybox, nonetheless. I think scary for Zane. Scary for Hungry Box. I think Wizrobe is scary for Hungry Box. I think Johnny is scary for Hungry Box. Um, I think I think like with all those players, just cumulatively, I would say I like uh, I like Zane's chances against them quite a bit more than Hungry Boxes. Really? Yeah, I think I I think I would take Zane cumulatively over them because I think it's close. I think my answer is that it's close, but I would give the slight edge to H Box. Like I don't. Like, do you think SJ is more likely to beat HBox than Zane? No, I th I think that uh I think that Zane versus Plup is more. I I think that Zane versus Plup. Uh, I think I think Zane is a better shot against uh, Plup, you and Wizardrobe and Johnny than than HBox. We'll see. I do think it's interesting. What and about it is... Axe? <laughs> he's pretty good against Axe. I don't I don't think he's at. I obviously don't think that. I think Zane. I think Axe is scarier on his own versus Zane than Hungrybox, obviously. But I think everyone else, and in terms of like likelihood of who he'll play, I trust Zane. I think Zane. Yeah, I, I think it's roughly even, but the the numbers, like, I think Hbox is slightly more favored. Although if it's just like a super major level, like you know, we add in like Leffen, Cody, uh, Mango. Yeah, like, I would nice. say that it's probably Zane favored. Um, well, the funny thing is that if you only add one person. Like, how about this? This is how... Imagine doing this months ago. Imagine doing this in April uh, before Genesis. Add in J-Mook here, and I think this is <laughs> so good for April. <laughs> like, oh, just, just J-Mook. Don't even take anyone away. You just add J-Mook, and now it's like, dude, this oh, is a oh. scary tournament for Zayn, and it's a great tournament for April. <laughs> and it's so insane that you could do that now, and that that's how it... Like, it's truly an unfair world, Evan. <laughs> Cruel so we'll world. see. If JMook signs up, emergency registration is still going on. If JMook signs up, we're, we're you know you have your answer there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, right now I honestly think it's a toss up, and the fact that it's a toss up is weird, right? <laughs> like, it, if you are someone who maybe did not want HBox to be number one, the fact that we are saying mm -hmm. that Zane being in this bracket would have just as easy or a hard time as HBox. That might be a little worrisome, but um, yeah, okay. Well, so we, we're talking about uh, HBox here as the the you know the person who everyone has to beat. Do we think HBox is going to win? He's favored to win, probably. Do we actually think he's going to win? Yeah, no, I think Plup's got it. Ooh, okay. You want to? Okay, sell me on Plup. I I'm yeah. uh I need to hear this. Who's he? Who's he worried about in bracket? Just like Ginger and Magic. HBox. <laughs> he's worried about HBox. Yeah, but he's won. He's won the majority of their last like seven or eight sets. Like, 
Like, I, like there's three, yeah, there's three well. and three this year, but if you look, if you look at their last like eight or nine, Buffs won like five or six of them. I don't They're think like, that matters as much as you think. It's like really, I think this year is like, I don't know, maybe we value different. Like, well, even if you want to count only their tournament sets, it's like you're counting six sets, Wait, right? Like, whenever has like Wait, usually when you look at a six set stretch of like Plup versus Hbox, Hbox is winning like five or or all six of them. Like, what the, what do you mean when you say thing now are actually like quite close? Or, or like, if not outright, like plus favored. Can you can you explain what you mean by if we're only counting tournament sets? What's the like? Are we counting TMTs here or what? <laughs> What's like, the other showdown where plus five? Oh, okay. Like, okay. Scary. Yeah. True. And then and then you know, just recently, just this past two weeks ago, did did lose to him. I think. Okay, so you know, I've said this in the past when it comes to Zane and Plup. But I think this really goes from like any plot matchup, to be honest, is that he is the player who their their previous sets tell us the least about what's actually going to happen. Um, because you telling me that, you know, he's won the majority of their past few sets doesn't actually tell me it doesn't make me feel better about going into a set with them. Um, especially well, because what would, you know, what would I need to tell you to to change that, if not like looking at set history and trends? What would I need uh, to tell you? Is it you want like a gameplay break? breakdown you want you want no, like no, no i think i think i need heart i need you to tell me like what characters plup was going on unranked recently that's the only way that i, I like feel good and i don't even know what answer makes me <laughs> i don't feel think good. that's a very good I, I don't think that's a standard which you should evaluate someone's chances to win it i didn't say it is plup so I'll, I'll grant you that Plup, right? Remember when when Plup lost to Zane like four times in a row? Yeah, and, and I talked, all of us, yeah, I we talked to E. Like, Pengu. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen to Exactly. Time. I talked to E. Pengu, and he's like, "Yeah, Zane just owns him." I'm like, "No, Plup's just gonna yeah, like, destroy him at some point." Like, there's nothing that makes me believe that Plup losing four sets in a row is indicative of what's gonna happen in the next set. But also, by that same coin, there's nothing that makes me believe that Plup being slightly up in the past five sets or whatever makes me think that he's going so he's, to win he's just forever in this gray zone for you that you're not going to touch you're not Plup for, got for like hbox for zane yeah i mean for most players he just ends up beating them so i don't have to be in a gray zone but for hbox for zane for these people who he has back and forth sets with with Le you throw leffen in there fuck it what's the last time they played but that's a similar thing i could not um, tell you how leffen plus set would go i i want to see that yeah that that's a banger set Let's make it happen. We got all these tournaments. Come on, people! If we if we have the year without a left and plup set, I'm um, striking. <laughs> I guess. Honestly, left and Jade Mook again. Yeah, I want to see. Okay, I want to see a lot of things. But what we are going to be seeing this weekend is probably likely plup Hbox and and Edwin. Honestly, I can't say with any certainty that that plup has that. I think that there's a likely chance that he does. I, I um, think plup the, has like thirty percent. No, I probably give him like. 40 i want it's not 50 50. Yeah, 40, 40s i would not get 50 50 yeah I, no. I think the thing with hbox is I, I think there's like there's like three people who i think are, are scary for him out, outside of just like plop right like i think i think our friend on the show right now kadoran is is no you can't you can't you know just just take it for granted as a marth who's not zane right like this is someone who's clearly shown the ability to do it I think Wizrobe, no matter how long he's been away from tournaments, is just always going to be scary for Hbox. He's the kind of opponent, like when when he beats Hbox, I 
I, I know it's been a long time, but like when he beats Hbox and is like executing his game plan so well against Puff, it just looks it literally looks so hopeless. Like I think the only other people I've seen like beat Hungrybox so badly in recent memory are like Leffen and Zane. Like some of the Hbox sets, it's like midway through it's like midway through game two. It's like or like after he takes the first stock of game two, it's like over and Hbox just like gives up. Yeah. So the way that uh the way that I think Plup needs to win versus Hbox, um, he he only wins it by just purely outplaying him. And then Kador, and I, I I do want your opinion on this as someone who is uh, an A tier gamer. <laughs> but when I watch the sets, you watch Leffen play versus Puff, and it's just like it's so rigid and so like it looks oppressive. And mm-hmm. and Cody does a lot of the same way. He's he's a little more aggressive in how he does it, mm-hmm. but it's the same kind of idea. Um, honestly, Mango is it does seem more like set to the game plan than Plup. Plup, like I've seen Plup play Hbox this past year, <laughs> and he'll just he, Hbox is at like seventy two percent or whatever <laughs> on Battlefield, and Plup's just like I'm gonna nair. If if this nair hits you, then I, then I'm gonna have to like back air you or something. Like he just like it's like no, dude, like camp for a bit. Why don't yeah. you look like every other like person? Go, look, or, no, that Jay Wong tweet was like, why doesn't Plup just care? Yeah, <laughs> oh, can I get a free hit in here? Okay, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> he's so, yeah, he's just like, he's like, okay, it's damage. I'm going to get damage. You're going to be at like 89%. I can't combo you off of up through up air, uh, but I will like scrap for another 20% and kill you with the bear. Uh, it's He's just like, I mean, it's, it's good in a way. He's not fishing, right? The, like, obviously there's good parts about it. But I watch it and I'm just like, this only works if you are moving to a level that is untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, it does make me hesitant to say that he's a demon for Hbox or that he's someone who I maybe even favor. Okay, how about this? If he beats Hbox, he does it handily. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, well, even then, you're right. I'll, also, I feel like I, I saw so I, I, like Genesis I was, 5. <laughs> True. When I was when I was on a uh, CEO commentary, hey, look at me, top eight. When I was on there, I I mentioned that Plup's win rate on FD is shockingly low compared to Leffen, compared to uh, Armada when he was playing, compared to IBW. They're all like IBW. I think has not lost a tournament set on on uh, FD, FD. Um, it on LAN. Uh, I I know that he got three out at something. <laughs> Uh, Armada was like 70-some percent Leffen also 70-some percent Plup was like 27% Plup on FD, it's make or break and the terms that we see him win uh, over Hbox usually require him to, one, either pick Stadium twice in one they set They struck the FD! It was the most insane shit of my life! No, it's not the most insane thing because if you have a 70-some winning percentage, you're like, I yeah dude I'm willing to go here the FD. I was like, oh my god <laughs> about it's, maybe as like wild as like somebody kind of kind of picking a mark to fd <laughs> yeah but the mark just like sucks on the stage dude all i'm saying is that if you are hbox and you have a 73 win percentage 73 percent win percentage on uh on a stage you go to it it doesn't matter if leffen whoops your ass there you go to that stage it, Kadorn, am i, I sleeping on h god Yes, I think you are. But um, I mean, in regards to like the FD point, it's like I also think it has more to do with like I think Plup just gets bored. 
you know like maybe he just like there's no platforms in ft there's so no platforms as, to field drop. as you can't move as he's as True. tas level um and then you know he kind of like yeah i'm just gonna run an up smash sometimes and then i'm gonna stop my my perfect game plan and like scrap and then i'm a little bit off and then i die so it's like i think everybody knows that plup can do it it's just more so the question like does it get bored or not does it get tilted <laughs> And it's well, like, let me talk about what, what would scare me if I saw like people, it, like if we're talking about people that would potentially be in Plup's path, uh, I'll talk about who I think is scary for him, right? I think if we saw like, uh, I think, I think if we saw like a, like a really top fox that he might like be tempted to ditto or something, I think that could be, I think that could be, oh, yeah. scary. he randomly like dropped the, he like, he switched off a of Sheik against Red at Reptide. Yeah, he did. <laughs> And, it, and like those, like those first two Fox games look scary. You know, it was like, oh, it's probably gonna go down 0-2. And but it's then, like, it's, but it's like we're looking at the the second tier of players that he'd have to beat to make top eight, and it's like Falcon, Falcon, uh, like Pikachu. Then obviously, I know Ginger beat him at Genesis, so like I'm not gonna discount G G Ginger in that. And I, I know Magi took a set as well, but so like when you think of Plup, like you know, like typically, like. I think I think like the scary stuff is like maybe he runs into like Moki or something, right? Early, yeah. like, that would be kind of something that more. Yeah, you can't fall on Moki. When I look at this field, I, I think I see something a little like okay. Well, like I think Plup has a better time getting into top eight through winter side, which helps his chances of winning a lot. And like when he gets to top eight of winners, he'll likely have to play like Amsar or Axe, right, or or something like that, right? Who I think like both of them I think are like very good draws for him. I don't think that's quite the case for Hungrybox because he'll likely have to play one of the Falcons or you, right? So, mm -hmm. well, Edwin, you didn't sell me on this idea that Plup is winning, but fuck it, I'll do it. I'll say Plup's winning. It's fun. <laughs> it's the fun you. pick. No, I really no. think Hbox is going to win, but I'll go with the fun picks. We have two picks for Plup and one pick for Hbox. Um, any chance someone else here wins? I mean, I we talked about how it's going to be pretty hard for Amsa. Uh, <laughs> Do we think Wizzy just comes out and wins? <laughs> yeah, what if he just wins? That that would shatter, like... I think it would be like, the funniest yeah. thing if he just won. It'd be great. I'd love it. He would win. He would disappear back into the night. I think he's he's bleach blonde now. That's fun. Um, it'd be... It, yes, it'd be insane. Uh, I think if he has to play Plup, that's horrible. But I, I want to see what a, whiz, what a really rusty Wizzy versus hbox looks like hey maybe and, and, and maybe like, we don't give hbox water we level the playing field <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and like you know i'm saying that like wizzy like i i kind of sold it as if like he's rusty but the truth is is like i do see him stream like at least every other day like just like yeah. grinding uh asking for donos for his travels and uh like my question is like does he like since he hasn't been to tournaments in so long it's like it's less about how Russie is and more so about like his tournament mentality and that that I wonder about. Like, you know, it's been it's been a little while. Like, does he remember yeah. how to prepare as best as he can? Um when the nerves get to him, is he gonna take <laughs> ten minutes in between games? Yeah. Will he know. ice people out as well as he used to? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. He might forget. He might just immediately press start. I'm like Oh my god. <laughs> He's just like, wait, I forgot. I have to. <laughs> this is my winning condition. It's making you wait five minutes. Um, Edwin, this is a cute camera angle. You look like a child. <laughs> you look like you're sitting at your desk. Too. Yeah. Back to school. I Edwin's at his desk. Uh, <laughs> one last thing I would want to bring up is that 
you know, we're kind of seeing a resurgence of these, like, kind of old-school players. Like, my, my old-school, I really mean, like, SJ acts, like, making a big resurgence back. Wouldn't it also be fitting to see SFAT also do pretty well? I mean, there's no mention of him, but one thing did occur to him that is making him grind Melee a lot. He graduated. Oh, wow. He, he, uh, he kind of took a step back from Melee, like, this last year because of, like, grad school or some kind of school mm -hmm. for something. And I heard from his chat that uh, SFAT graduated, so he's grinding a lot now. I mean, speaking of SJ's highs, guess who beat him at Wave Dash? It was yeah. SFAT, uh, only to be taken down by HBox. So, um, who knows? He could also do pretty well. Maybe he could beat Plup. Maybe he could beat Wizzy. Maybe he could beat HBox. Uh, uh, nobody beats SFAT that many times in a row, right? <laughs> hopefully yeah we'll we'll see i Fat, i think is a fun person to bring up you know maybe that's, that's a good call he's someone who he's putting his time in and i think that we will eventually see it uh mainly when it comes to z jump dude you give any other person hbox who is about to like die uh at double down and i think the other person wins unfortunately <laughs> Fat, who's learning z jump at the moment is not the person to that that wins that set um, so like we have seen this different version of SFAT. 2021 was honestly one of the better years of his career and one of the better years of his career in recent memory. So yeah, I, I'm willing to say that if he has time and he is adjusted to Z jump. Yeah. What's, what's I mean, like he's been winning online tourneys over SCJ recently. So it's like, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a slow, that's like a slow little story to keep. But I have one where he, I don't know, he probably doesn't win it, but but it'd be cool to see around here. And then also, huh, Pipsqueak. Yeah, like you can be top eight. Oh, Pipsqueak there. Interesting. Oh, oh, yeah, one former, of your guys. Former, that, that... Former, former Melee stats. Wonder if, wonder if we're getting him to this one. Who knows? Keep an eye on Twitter this week, I guess, though. Uh, he's Yeah, he he's going to be uh, someone to look out for. Honestly, I think there's a lot of people here who can make waves, make top eight. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see this one because this is a pretty top-heavy tournament. Uh, like you said, it's not stacked. It's like Riptide, not stacked. <laughs> um, but it's gonna, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see. Um, so keep an eye out for that because that is going to be good. And then, uh, you know, we, we were talking about back to school season. I mentioned that because Edwin looks like he's sitting in a, a desk. I keep thinking um, that Edwin's camera froze. <laughs> No, no, he's just I'm he's sitting like a with his hands uh, folded like a good little boy. Um, oh my god! But this is what September. You know the leaves are changing. Maybe um, it, in my local Wawa, I can get a uh, gobbler which has like turkey and gravy and cranberry juice, uh, cranberry sauce. But when I think of September, late September, one thing pops into my head is that the retirement of my favorite player Armada four years ago. To the week or so, uh, Armada announced his retirement from Melee, and I will say I did not believe it. <laughs> I thought he was coming back. I, I I thought so too. I think everyone thought so, but he has he has st stood true to this. Uh, in fact, I think the only way that he plays Melee now is drunk doubles. Which hey, <laughs> more power to you, buddy. Um, but you know, of course, being Melee stats, being being people who have loved Melee's history. This uh, this hits us in a specific way, Edwin Budding. I know you have some thoughts on uh, on the the Armada man himself. What do you what do you think when when you think of Armada's retirement? Um, I think like so. I think part of the reason why uh, Armada is so um, why I find him so interesting is because it's like 
I was around when he was winning tournaments a lot, right? And I, and I, I think like recently, when you that uh, long ago, for some of our viewers, it might be a while ago, but but <laughs> okay. yeah, so like when he was winning a lot, it was just like it was so easy to take it for granted. It was mm-hmm. so easy to take it for granted that Armada was just going to go to like eight or seven big tournaments or whatever and just win all of them. That he was going to win. Maybe he drops a set and grand some winners and still wins anyways. And like the kind of dominance that he had over the field to um to like a modern fan of melee, it seems so unthinkable. Because it's like people often like compare Zane to Armada in terms of his consistency against the field. Let me tell you something. Zane is relatively very consistent, but there is no one in melee history that is like Armada when it comes to just like destroying the competition and he had winning records on everyone when he was active you know very rare like like even in his number one years you could find people that were difficult for him like you know going back and forth or having stretches where they take multiple sets in a row but like i think like on the numbers just his kind of dominance when he was active in any kind of long-term capacity was just it's just like reviewing it now like years later when the scene is kind of like moved into a different place it's almost like you kind of tend you tend to memory hole some of these things sometimes and and revisiting them like gives you a deeper appreciation for like not just like what the scene used to be but like the the people in front of it right like if we're if we're being real like when he was around there was just there's just nobody like him and even and even watching his gameplay footage i uh i wrote a very big column on armada 2018 armada analyzing his gameplay talking about what he did well you know what what's changed in the meta game since he's gone and i am telling you i've watched a lot of footage of armada i'm not like a peach expert or anything but i watched a lot of armada i talked to a lot of peach mains at, at the top level and across you know my country or whatever i've seen their footage armada's punish game is the best like ever Lod doesn't hit as hard as Armada. Wally doesn't hit as hard as Armada versus Spacey's. Um, That's you know, blasphemy. Polish doesn't <laughs> hit as hard as Armada did in 2018. Honestly, the the closest comparison I could think of, just in terms of like punish game off like an opening or knockdown, is like maybe Keizu. But like Armada's foundation, his like attention to detail as a player, and like he's just like, I am telling you, there, there's like maybe. There's maybe two or three players that I would consider like top players now that might like temporarily scare Armada. But I think like if you drop Armada from 2018 the way he was and like his rock solid foundation, whether it's his Peach or his Fox into today's metagame, like and asking to play a best of five against like about like all the top 50, I think there's like seven or eight people that that are more likely to beat him than not. Like that guy was just like. Like, like he, he's often called, like, an iron wall, but, like, I can't even... It almost feels... God, I'm just, like, dishing about Armada. But, like, wa- watching Armada in, like, the matchups that he played with Peach, and even with Fox to an extent, calling him, like... Like, like I think there's a rush to sometimes call it... At, calling someone, like, ahead of their time. And I think... And I can understand why that's, like, the, the comparison. I think I actually use that comparison. But, like, even thinking about it more... He wasn't ahead of his time. He was he was timeless. He just like he would do things that like nobody else was doing at the time. And like I can't even say it's ahead of the time because people are like now starting to understand 
the things and like approaches he took to the game with like both his characters and like the matchups he played with them and it's just like it, it was really astounding to look at the numbers it was astounding to watch the game tape and look i'll uh i'll say it if uh if armada kept playing in 2018 i think he would have ended that year number one there was no reason to think anyone other than like maybe other than like Leppin was difficult for him and Armada had better matchup splits against everyone else. I think if he kept playing in 2019, the worst case scenario where a few more people start beating his peach, he starts going Fox and beating them also, and he'd be a contender for number one that year. You know, and I'll say it. I think if Armada was active from 2019 and 2020 to 2021 and 2022, every single fucking year this guy cared about melee, he would have been he would have been a contender for number one. I think if he were still active, if Mango doesn't win Summit, Ele- Summit 11, if Mango doesn't steal the crown of 2021 in the most <laughs> miraculous way possible, I, I, I gotta say, I don't think this is a, I think he'd still, I think he'd still be the greatest player of all time. And while I don't think of him as that be- because of like those circumstances that happen, I also sometimes wonder like, what if he still is? What if, what if he could just come, like, what does that say if he could just come back? And like be 99% of the top level. It's just like it's just incredible. It's so hard to explain to people who who weren't around at the time. And I I, I just regret that like I regret that I didn't like recognize it for what, what it was in the moment more. But, Kudorin, but you know, it's a treat. Kudorin, top ten player in the world. How do you react to this statement of saying that Armada could come back today and whoop everyone? Yeah, I think it's like seven or eight people that that he doesn't beat for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think he would if he if Peak Armada came back today. Yeah, he would still do extraordinarily well. Wait a like, second, we we had you on because you were supposed to be like, no, he gets washed, he loses a Scurzo. Because I think he beats everyone, and anyone thinks he beats everyone. We can't have three people who think that he beats everyone. So like, I don't think he would be number one. Uh, if he were to come back now, um, this year, I also, um, I, so it's like, here's the thing is that Armada, like, even when he, like, during the time that he was quote unquote retired but played friendlies here and there, I saw him play like exercise for like three hours. Like, he was, he was still like playing a shit ton. So, yeah. it's like, um, that guy's what? dedication to the game was unreal. Like, and, that's like the main thing that like I recognize like when I recognize like oh this is like a mark of like a top player right here it's their dedication and craft to the game and Armada's craft was unparalleled like he put in more time than basically everyone else like I I, I would go as far to say he would put in more time to melee than like if you exclude the top five like the the bottom five of top ten, you would he probably put in more time than all of them combined. Maybe, like, uh, cause dude, that maybe. guy like would just beat like abuse that poor Falcon for like eight that hours. Fal- that level one Falcon CPU, yeah, he wouldn't even look at chat and he would zero to death that guy every, or he wouldn't even look at screen. He'd just read chat and zero to death that yeah. little that poor CPU. I don't do that. I, <laughs> I, I don't do that. Uh, and. You know, one day I hope, like, here's the thing is that, like, I don't like, like, the reason why I, I don't think he's the GOAT is because, like, I do think he has the potential, but 
it's like the same thing where it's like, I also think PPMD has potential, but it's like, that's not really the relevant question when it comes to the GOAT arguments is that like, yeah, Mango's sure. it because he's still playing to this day. But when it comes to potential though, though, it's like Armada, obviously like he would still, it'd be so good for the game to be like, you know, came back and like the storylines are revived and like we have Armada dominating the competition today. Like everyone said, timeless. And like, at least it's Peach. I, I don't, I wouldn't really go as far to say that for his fox, but I think uh, there are things he did with the fox that would translate really well to the way the meta develops. But I think I think for sure, like I think uh, like the weird thing is like I I think um, Armada's fox is very clearly a secondary fox, just in, in my opinion, in terms of like doing all the stuff he found annoying. But I think his approach to like fox's combo game and like the way he would seek openings is a lot more in line, uh, ironically with what I think like the the top foxes are starting to head toward today. Like if, if I were to put it in like really broad terms and like admittedly a little like oversimplifying, I think Armada played Fox like Fox was easily the best character. <laughs> and that there was nothing you could you he could had like what Fox vibes where it's like he he played it with hate in his heart. <laughs> yeah, like IBW. I think Ambie's uh Ambie's quote was if Armada enjoyed playing Fox even a little bit, we get IBDW like several years early. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it. Uh, hey, do you remember when IBDW had such trouble versus Marth and then he yeah. did a, like a big Armada lesson thing and then suddenly he was like beating Spud and stuff like this. Like our, one of IBW's like big matchups before he really became a, a player was that he was like, oh, a Fox that's good at the Marth matchup. That was, that was like something that people um, looked at him for. Unthinkable. <laughs> yeah how could this happen um and and okay i want to be clear on two things one that talking about how armada should come back to play melee it's probably why he's never gonna come back yeah and then right, two, right. two uh say that armada would whoop everyone while he hasn't played in four years might make mango retire now with these two things said i do think armada's the coat <laughs> I, I that one Armada, I am not supporting. I do think Armada is the goat, but this is not a goat conversation. Of course, we're talking about how well he would do today. And then there's a couple, there's a couple ways that you could look at this. If Armada went to Big House, just with, with the current practice that he's on, which I believe is playing doubles when you're drunk, I don't think he comes back and whoops everyone. Right? No. Like the thought experiment that we use for this might be this type of thing of like if he comes back as an actual return that he wants to make. Um, and that's interesting because the, mm -hmm. the way that we see Armada in today's meta, I think is shaped a lot by the fact that like who you don't have to worry about Armada, right? Um, Zane this weekend did beat two peach players, but it did not show me a mastery of the matchup that mm -hmm. would make me feel good against Armada. Like when everyone said Armada would like get destroyed by Zane, um, Obviously, Zane doesn't have to focus on the Peach matchup, but he's lost a lot. He lost to Wally. Had a close set. Can I can I say something about that? Please like, go ahead. I, I think like Zane would destroy. Would like come back like like twenty eight Armada form like and versus twenty oh, okay. two Zane like yes he would destroy Armada and then Armada would make like very fast adjustments <laughs> like two sets later, and then it's like and we see like. Because, like, that's the thing is that, like, it's not really about the current form I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the work ethic. Yeah. Okay. So, Kadoran, I love this because I agree when, like, in a general sense. When people say, yeah, dude, he just dodged Zane and Wizzy. I'm like, okay, he'd probably lose to Zane. He'd probably lose to Wizzy. But I think that he wins, like, 
he goes like seven and two on the year with them or something, right? Yeah. Like I, I feel very confident in Armada if he didn't retire. Um, I feel very confident that these would be threats, but that would he would be able to like I don't think that he suddenly has like thorns in his side where he like can't beat Zane ever. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. It's interesting, right? Like, it's just a thought experiment. How does he do today? Probably pretty damn well. Uh, we've seen him do well versus HBox at the the last year of his career. That was like a really rejuvenated Armada versus HBox, where like I think he was he won five out of six sets. Um, and there's nothing that makes me like there's nothing today that makes me go, okay, HBox would destroy his fox. Like, no, I think it'd probably still be yeah. Armada favored. Um, and, and we're talking so much about like like the current old heads like s2j and axe coming back doing like they're yeah. kind of having a little resurgence what makes you think armada wouldn't do it yeah right <laughs> yeah I, I think that i think like the the really interesting thing is like we, we start with like there's kind of like two approaches right like what if we take 2018 armada and just dump them into 2022 then there's kind of like you know what, what we what we referenced before like well what if you drag armada off the street right now and ask him to play some which i don't think is like indicative of like how you know, Armada skill or whatever, right? Or or in a, in, a, in a capacity that we care about, right? But I think that what, what Kadorin is talking about now, and I think what we're talking about is like, let's say Armada comes back and his heart isn't competing and he has like a year to attend these tournaments. Yeah, I think it, I think he, just based on everything we've seen, you'd be foolish to deny that he wouldn't immediately, foolish. like, he doesn't have the foundation to be the best player in the world. Yeah. It does get scary looking at these matchups because I'm like, you go through the top players and it's it, it really takes a bit for you to find someone who you're like, no, like he whoops Armada. Um, and I don't know if you really get one because we mentioned Zane, we mentioned HBox. Leffen, maybe he whoops him. Who? Jmook. I think he'd be very tough for Armada. I actually yeah. disagree. I know it sounds crazy. Uh and but I I think that Jmook would need to I think that he's good. He's an extremely great player. I think that he doesn't really have bad matchups. You know, say what you will about him losing a set to Axe and, and losing to Amsa. I, like, do think that he he figures that out eventually. Um, and I think that's kind of similar thing with Armada. Armada really only lost to, uh, you know, he, he had that close step with Shroom, of course, that we all remember. But he really only lost to Plup Sheik when it came to that. Uh, and <laughs> I guess famously, uh, a yeah. different Sheik who ended the streak. But, um, like he whooped cheeks for so long. He has so many three O's over uh Plup. He like he had one honestly Well Armada's Fox would be the one to do it. Well, okay, so, so <laughs> Well, this is the interesting thing, is that uh when Plup finally won his first set, then the Fox came out. But for years, Armada had an incredibly great win percentage. I mean, obviously he won, he didn't lose sets, but just in terms of games, he wasn't dropping games to Plup Sheik for a while. Mm-hmm. He was so good in that matchup uh, until Plup finally took a set. And then the Fox, dude, okay, the Fox is the thing where we start to talk about. If the Fox plays 2022 Fox Sheik meta, that I'm a little feel better about. Um, I do think his Fox has always been like not the best versus Sheik. A very like utilitarian, very like yeah. I have like, to, I, that wasn't like, my I, Yeah, um, but it, so I guess that you know the the thing is I would need to see Jmook beat the peach out of him first in order for me to feel like Jmook would be a problem. But the thing is, is that if Jmook like, don't you think Jmook would be very very favored? Yeah, no, I think if I think Jmook beats the fox too. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I need to see Armada pull the fox out first. 
Do you know what, I, what I'm trying yeah, to say like, here? Given, like, given, like, the incentive. Because we have seen Armada's Peach destroy Sheik's, and, and him having, you know, plop losses and him having one loss to Swedish, it doesn't really make me say that his Peach versus Sheik is something that well, he's going to throw out the window completely. Well, don't forget that Shroon would also probably be Armada's Peach. It's just that, like, Armada had to use the Fox. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Know, I don't know if that. I agree, but I will say sure. I, I was going to mention that, and I think Sheik is one of like the most evolved characters since. Yeah, I, I I would lean on that too. Like in addition to JMook's foundation is like like you know his player skills, his game knowledge, and stuff being really high. I think he. Um, I'm not saying Armada couldn't adapt and make it competitive over multiple sets, but I think he would have to adjust. I think JMook's like familiarity with a few like. A few very like modern things in the meta and his approach to Sheik and just like his approach to, to playing makes him he's kind of like Kadorn, I I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on this. I I feel like JMook is kind of like um his like approach to the game, his like attention to detail and his like what he notices like the other players doing is very like in like a weird way, he's kinda like I know he plays a different character, but he kind of reminds me of where like PP was, like in terms of like what the, so like the his approach to the game and like how he Jay Mook is a yeah I, I think they, those two actually share quite a bit in common I don't like I can understand why his tech skill is very good like that like his musician background how he practices like that yeah. stuff makes sense to me mm -hmm. the way how he thinks about the game yeah well, what I can't tell you he, what is he like like play, you've played him in tournament multiple times and presumably yeah like he just like. He's, like, the perfect blend of, like, knows their EVs very well and outplays you as a player. Because usually you have the Sheik that kind of goes too far in one way. Mm -hmm. Like, you have, like, the N2K type of Sheik that, like, plays the positions a little bit too much where it's to the point where it's predictable. And you have, like, the Shroom then in the spectrum where, like, yeah, he's really good at outplaying the player, but he does not play positions very well. Uh, like, that that kind of thing. Um and Jamuk was like is like that perfect in between where he plays both positions and outplays you really well. I can't tell you how he figured out all that out. That stuff's a mystery to me. But the fact that he understands those two like concepts, those two core concepts of understanding positions and like outplays really well, yeah. that's what makes him like, if not top three. Wait, how do you think him and uh, I we we've kind of talked about this a little bit like off stream also, but like, how do you think him and Leffen would have developed? Because I, rivalry that's been a, I think there's there's a tendency to sometimes retcon Leffen versus Armada as like different than it actually was for most of the, most of the. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. First off, let me just put a button on this. Uh, Peach versus sure. you know Jamie versus, um. I think Jamook is amazing. I think Jamook is one of the best players playing today. I think that he has so many skills in, in matchups that we just don't see from other Sheiks. Um, also, like we've seen him have really close set with Lod. We've seen him lose to characters that he doesn't really know extremely well. Uh, and as much as like the big losses to Sheik stand out, I'm not willing to say that Peach Sheik is one of uh, Armada's worst matchups because that was a matchup that he excelled in for so long. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If it's 2018 Armada, J. Mook beats him. If it's 2022 Rejuvenated Armada, I think it might take a little bit to crack uh, and then becomes a long-term problem. Uh, but yeah, Leffen. Leffen, that's a tough thing because we've seen Leffen Armada sets go 
really streaky. Like it'll just be yeah. years where it's Leffen winning. It'll be years where it's Armada winning. Um, and I, I don't know what the future necessarily holds for that. I, I definitely think that in the time since 2018, we have learned a lot more about Fox Dittos. Maybe that's not entirely true, but I, I remember um, that the idea in like 2016. So was that like Armada and Leffen were playing Fox Dittos at a level that no one else could hit. And that if you were like anyone but Leffen, your Fox wouldn't beat Armada uh, to the point where like, I think when was it battle of uh, five gods when Mango did it right. Mango did it at some point. Um, and that was like thought of as a really big thing, which is a very funny thing to think of now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that um, Armada's Fox is always going to be a question. I think it's like really good and, and maybe even underrated at this point, but it learning all the things that need to learn and it keeping up with the meta as it devolved as it evolved uh, is maybe not something that I I like give to Armada as much as I would give to Leffen. So that's a tough one. What do you think about that one, Kadoran? <laughs> can you can you reframe the question again, Edwin? Basically, uh, how do you think Armada Leffen would have developed? Like you, you think they would have just kept boxing and eventually like. Leffen takes the lead, or you think Armada kind of... I, I I think, like... I think Armada sees Lob beat Leffen at, like, <laughs> at, like, a few times, and it's like, wait a second, maybe I should give the Peach a, another shot. And then, like, you would see some... I think it would be, like, a classic tug, like, back and forth. Maybe he tries a Peach again. Because, like, you know, he did try pulling out the Peach multiple times. Yeah, like, we, we yeah, see it here and there. Brands. And it's like... I, I Like, Armada had that weird weakness where it's like, once he's kind of set on like, oh no, this absolutely cannot work. He's like kind of stubborn about it. Um, where it's like you could kind of feel that like, like well, like you know, sometimes you just need that blind faith that like gives you that little edge to like beat somebody really, really hard. Like left. I think I think it's that he like recognizes when like the when something is not worth his time, right? Yeah. So it's, like, it's it's not even that like. If a losing strategy is working for Armada 100% of the time, or not losing, but, like, a technically disfavorable strategy is working for him, it's like, well, like, you haven't proven it to me yet, so I, I don't have to put any, like, I'm going to do exactly what I need to do to beat you. But, like, I will say Armada was never one to, like, like, the moment something stopped working and he saw a better strategy and he had to, like, his hand was forced, he would go to it and then, like, immediately just start destroying the opponent, right? Like Yeah. That would be the classic Armada thing. I'd be like, oh, well, like, you know, Plup, Plup beat the Peach once, right? And then, like, beat, then, like, took the final game of it at Genesis 5. And it's like, I'm going Fox now. And then what do we see in the last two sets? Yeah. Armada 3 0. Like, I'm not going to yeah. say that every set would go like that, but, like, they were, like, very convincing 3 0s in Armada's favor. With the right. Yeah. It's like, sometimes, though, it's like, you feel like you should give, like, the Peach a little bit more of a chance, though. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, the the fox did well. It's like I don't know. It's tough to say with the Levin rivalry in particular because like the fox Dittles wasn't looking too great by the tail end of it, and it's like yeah, near the end, and it's like I don't know. It's like, but then at the same time, it's like it is a better matchup, but it's like I, I it's like there's just too many hypotheticals for me to like get in state. You want, you wanted the craziest one? Sorry, I feel like we're, we we could talk about this forever, but like. I think him versus Mango is the funniest one to predict because, like the the uh, the most recent 
Peach Fox or Fox Peach era of your rivalry was like not close. Like Mega One Royal Flush where Armada beat him like for most of the dedicated like classic Mega Fox versus Armada's Peach. Armada's Peach like had his number. It was the only that's, time that, that's like, all they think about is Royal Flush. Yeah, the only time that I would or Big House, Big House Six. Yeah, the only time I would say that Mango ever had like the solid advantage for like any sustained like like not counting like 2009 where they played a Genesis three sets of Genesis or whatever like for sustained periods of time. The only time I ever thought, wow, Mango has Armada's number was the weird counterpick war of 2016. Yeah. Where, like, you had the Fox Ditto, you had Fox Peach, Marth. you had it was Marth, and then like yeah. he, he just stopped doing that because he didn't yeah. feel like doing it yeah. anymore. But every other time we saw like the classic Mango Armada, Armada would win like 60% of the sets, right? Yeah. Or more. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like if we're talking just Fox Peach, like he probably won more than that or, or like around, or I don't know. But, like, and then, like, near the end, they did Falco Peach for, like, three sets, where Mango took one, and then Armada took two. We never saw that develop. So, that's what what I'm curious about. We, what what would have happened with Mango Armada? Was, were they going to do Falco Peach for, like, three years, where we, where we just see Armada just continuously wash Mango? Did, does Mango bring it even for going back to Fox? What, what would have happened? Um, in the interest of Mango liking us, <laughs> which i you know I he's a patron like. yeah he is a patron uh he did recognize me which is nice and, and and like did not tell me he hates me uh in in the interest of keeping that uh relationship good and then also in the interest of keeping this podcast to a reasonable length um i will not speak on this i will not say <laughs> I will not say that someone who's been retired for four years would have an advantage against someone who's like literally won majors in the time that he's, he's left. Um, but I will say you can look up all the set data on, on Wikipedia, on PG stats, on, on a lot of different things, uh, and you can make your own decision from there. Yeah, How about this? Let me make it clear. I, I, I think 2020, <laughs> when I was mentioning the players, I would first sure beat 2018 Armada. I think 2022 Mango would be favored. Help. How about this? As a way to end this conversation, because otherwise we're just going to gush about Armada forever, uh, as a way to end this conversation, let's do the exact opposite of what I just said. Let's take a player of the top whatever, whatever you want to call it, a top five, top, you know, whatever. Uh, let's take a current day player of that ilk and say who Hbox, sorry. <laughs> Hbox is good. <laughs> say, say who Armada would do the best versus. You might have my answer, which is Amza is not the fun. Amza like Amza is the right answer if you count Amza, but I'm gonna say Hbox. I think that <laughs> current day Armada versus Hbox, dude, it's the same exact thing. He he wins three one like again. Like it's just gonna he's gonna keep doing it. That's my answer. This is your um, number one we just remember that i i as a doubt i'm a doubter of hbox being number number one this year <laughs> yeah well hey the reason why hbox has a good chance of being number one this year is because he doesn't have to no. worry about armada <laughs> uh Kodorin, who do you think does uh who do you think uh, armada has the best chance versus of the current like top players Wait, you're, say, just to clarify, you're talking long term or 2018 Armada? Say he say he comes back at big for Big House. He's like, I played Melee the other week and I liked it, so I played it for a week straight. 
<laughs> and I'm going to be playing. I I don't know why my mind is immediately thinking this, but I'm going to say plup. Oh! Wow! That's fun! I thought you were going to say Cody, which I think wouldn't be a crazy answer, but plup! Okay, I like that answer. Edwin Budding, what do we think? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say Kador. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just feel like for some reason it's just like in my heart. I'm, I've seen so many Armada versus Marth sets, and I've seen how they go. Wait, 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 wait! It's a question of like who's the lowest ranked player he would beat the hardest, or like who's like the the the, the best player he would beat. I, I mean, I said anyone in the top five or whatever you want to call that. That like, you know, who he would beat the hardest? Because, uh, don't you think that'd be Axe? <laughs> well, okay. Well, how about this? I. When I'm thinking of players, I'm thinking of people who have won majors this year and JMOOC. That's how, what I thought. Now, I didn't. you can use your own description. Hey, maybe it's like, it's, whoa, Edwin. Uh... Maybe it's a compliment <laughs> that you've been top, included. I think the top seven are pretty hard, like for 2018 for, for shot, right? Like, that, I think that makes it fun. Okay. If <laughs> I'm going this... to them, I'm going to go with the, you know, the, the usual, very safe uh, dash dance grab pick. I'm going to say Ansa. I think Ansa. Okay. All right, well, it's the smart choice. I didn't say it had to be the fun choice, but uh, I appreciate that answer. I think all around, I thought, Kiori, I thought we were going to get you on, and you'd be like, no, yeah, I'm top Kiori, 10 right now. Our motto would be No, I literally DM'd you, Edwin, saying, no, I would get farmed. <laughs> Edwin, you're keeping this valuable information from me? Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm giving you props, telling you that H boxes should be scared of you in bracket. I'm trying to get play the. I'm trying to play the other side of the. I'm trying to play the dark side also and keep you guessing. All right. Well, not. We might have to talk about this after the show ends. But before that, uh, you know, we've got a few more segments. We are nearing the end of the episode, and of course, our uh, as one of our last segments, we have our patron questions. Uh, every time, every week, we have a guest on. We have uh, people on the Patreon can ask questions to be to be answered by our lovely guest here. So, Kudorn, we have a question here from Melee Stats patron. Melee Stats, honestly, the most likable person associated with Melee Stats. He is, uh, I think we're still calling him our intern, which is very funny. Uh, he is SoCal's very own SF. Seth. He My asked guy. who... I mean, uh, it's like pretty annoying how... He is everyone's goat. He is everyone's guy. Everyone does love him. Oh, that's I mean, what I, it is. I love him so much that I'm not annoyed by it, but like I do recognize that he is way more popular than any other member of Melee Stats. Uh, but I just I love him too much to really care. But he asked, who are your favorite fellow wands? Least favorite? <laughs> Wait, what? So you are you are John. You are John Co. Uh there's oh. a lot of there's a lot of Johns or uh what is I mean, it? Are we kind of Johnny's here as well? Honestly, so this is a concept that has been brought to us by Chape about how most top players are wands. You are Juan. Juan. Yeah, jo uh, Johnny would be Juan. I believe somehow Justin is Juan. I think it's Juanito Gringo is Justin. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here as to who is a Juan. There are a lot of Juans. Um, so I guess you're you're. <laughs> it's up to you to determine who's a Juan and who isn't. <laughs> Uh, but your question is, who is your favorite one, and who is your least favorite one? Uh, well, like, it would be easier for me to answer the question if I had, like, a list in front of me. It's kind of... 
it was like i don't know it's like such a random question that would i would need a little bit more preparation from for uh so there's hbox there's johnny I think in the mind of Chape, I think J-Mook got, got Wanized. Oh, well, if it's J-Mook, then if J-Mook counts, then yeah, I'm going to say J-Mook's my favorite. Not because he's FlyQuest, but because, like, you know, I, I, I housed him for Wave Dash, and, like, that guy is so chill. He's, like, very yeah. authentic, very easygoing, very easy to, like, just talk to, just talk about Melee with. Um, He's so cool as well. Like, I... I Somehow more cool than SF. I'm sorry, but Jamie is just that cool that he. he I think this is minus one to your uh, jacket count. <laughs> I, I I'll do it for Jamie, dude. Like that guy, he's uh, he he's got everything, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he really does. It's every. I feel like every couple weeks we find out a new talent he has, and it's just like I didn't need to know this. <laughs> I that that would be my you know what now he's my least favorite because he actually has too much uh yeah, like okay. they're looking yeah, like, better at melee he'd be like good it. at the guitar he can't have like better memes and copy pastas actually that guy's my least favorite um so he's gotta have something against him that's a good least favorite <laughs> do you have a new favorite now yeah I guess uh well I gotta know more of my options more than just like <laughs> you got Neds Juan Garcia yeah but I never really talked to him so. Eh. Uh, uh, you know what? Just throw throw a dart at the top fifty, and one of those would be considered a one. I bet. Uh, I, I, I like Ahmad a lot. Sure, I don't really see how that's a one, but great answer, Ahmad. <laughs> Ahmad uh, MDVA Marth player Ahmad, right? Yeah, I, I house him for Shine, and that guy he he's like he's like Jmook, but he doesn't have everything. So like that cool. that 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 boosts him a couple of points up. Uh, where uh, he's also very chill plays mark so that that already gives him like a lot of points for me personally but uh so favorite favorite one is a mod least favorite one is uh jay mook jake yeah, jake yeah. Dorado. okay yeah you know Sounds no great. context <laughs> uh edwin i think you've got a uh question right yeah this one's from anaconda another marth player mm -hmm. what do you think you do better than zane and other top marths and vice versa big question I do not do very many things better than Zane. That that is like right now one of my goals for 2022 is to eventually is like set myself very distinguishable from Zane and that is, you know, I've come up with some recent practice plans on how I could do that, but at the moment the reason why I do not do very many things better than Zane is because my speed is not at his level yet. Um where like He's much faster, and therefore, by default, he is like better than me in almost every way possible. Now, that being said, there are some few notable things I do slightly better than him. Like, you know, I know some micro positions a little bit better. I probably find tipper positions a little bit better than him. Um, like, I think like I have a little bit more confidence in my soul reads than him. Like, uh, like when I know a person, I really know them. Um, I, I think maybe I'm slightly be better than him at that regard. Um, I guess I know the Luigi matchup better than him because of all my <laughs> Luigi experience. Although that's like not too relevant right now, but uh, there's that, and that that's the that's why like the gap between us is like very very big. Like 
you know, I'm not, I'm not going to toot my own horn yet too hard on this until like, I could finally say that like, oh yes, this is like the things that like, I'm distinguishable above Zane. Cause honestly, like just quite honestly speaking, I can't really say that right now that like I am above Zane because like my skill level right now is not sufficient to make that claim. But my goal for 2022 is like, I hope that like once I am as fast slash faster than Zane, there will be some things that will become more apparent. Can't wait to see it. I, I, I like the insight there because I feel like there's some stuff that doesn't. Yeah, there's some like, stuff I that, like, that my, yeah. I think my main strength over Zane is that I definitely I think I think about positions a little bit more than him. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that Zane does it at a way faster speed than me, so it doesn't really matter. But like once my speed is there, it's like I think my positional knowledge will really shine. I love to hear this type of stuff. Uh, Sorry, I I love to hear this type of stuff because I think that it's it's clear when watching both of you play that you play differently, but maybe not everyone's able to pinpoint everything that's different and how it's different. So we're different, but like it's usually not in a good way. Like, oh wow, (laughs) me me and Zane play things different. Well, by default, Zane's is better because he's faster. When I think like once I'm like at around his speed, if not faster, like I think that narrative will change a little but yeah that's like my current thoughts about it yeah i i will say it's it's interesting hearing your answer on this because i've I've watched you both for a while and i think there's a there's sort of like you know for a long time i i just kind of watched zane to study mark and like no one else and i think it's been a real treat like especially this year to see kind of your style develop a little more like i noticed you you move a lot more fluidly now and like faster than than you, than you used to like in the past i think like your approach to the game has clearly changed it's been really interesting seeing that style for you like and, and, and the crazy thing is that it's still not enough like i've gone so much faster oh, since, like, so high, last, right? last year that like it's still not enough for it to be like more more distinguishable than zane so it's like that's just like how hard of a game melee is and just like how much work mm-hmm. i have to do like i'm not saying this to like put myself down necessarily yeah. just like as a matter of fact that like yeah zane's Things better to me for like these various reasons, and I hope that one day I could rectify those problems. Well, on a lighter note, we have our, another question. This is from Curly W, and she asks, "Who is your favorite bespectacled? Oh my God, <laughs> who's your who's your favorite anime character that has glasses? Uh... Bespectacled, 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 bespectacled." <laughs> Who are notable anime characters that have glasses? Uh, Just imagine someone who's doing this. The thing is, is that like I actually don't really like watching sports anime very much. Okay. Uh, because like I don't really relate to their journey very well. Somehow. You're a, yeah, you're a competitor yourself. Yeah, which is which is weird. You you would think I would know better, but like I, it's like I don't know. Um. Also, people think that I watch a lot of anime. I really don't. That's that's also a little weird tidbit about me is that like I actually don't watch as much anime as you think. Uh, people might think that, and I don't blame them for thinking that way. But honestly, I'm, I'm more of a sitcom watcher than an anime watcher. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of BoJack Horseman le- lately. That show has been. Consistent. Well, I mean, there's a character with glasses in that. <laughs> Diane. Diane has glasses. Is that your answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take, all right. How about this? Throw anime out. 
<laughs> any character, fiction, nonfiction, uh, anime, cartoon, live action, just anything you want. Favorite character with glasses. I think the glasses here is the more trickier stipulation, if I'm being honest. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay. Favorite anime character. character. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be the, this the question. Yeah, I, I also, it, it, it's like, um, what do you two immediately think of? That okay, how about, that how about this? You take your time to think about this. Edwin has a question that's about Marth. It's going to be perfectly in your wheelhouse. You're just going to flow with information. And then while you're doing that, at the end, we'll see if you have an answer for this favorite classes character. Yeah, this one is from Louise. She subbed lately. Thank you very much, Louise. Um, Kadorn, who do you find to be the most challenging opponent for yourself personally, and why? I, th I, I think There's I know your answers answer. that come immediately to mind, and you could probably guess them, Edwin. Who do you think it is? I think it's Face Roll. And who is the second one? <laughs> uh, Axe. No, I, I would have. Uh, so one, your one is correct. It's definitely face roll. The other, well, I mean, like I would understand the axe one, but the thing is, is like I haven't really been tested by him recently, mm -hmm. so like I wouldn't go as far as to like assume that it would be axe. I would also say the second one would be mango, for like how often we play and how often he trounces me in friendlies. So it's like those two would be like for me to overcome those two people in particular. And like friendlies or tournament, I don't really care which one. But like for me to finally consistently have answers to match their speed to like outposition them. Oh my! I could already like imagine that being some of the because like that's why I live as a competitor. It's like the best memories and feelings I ever had playing is like overcoming something that I literally thought was impossible. Like especially like. The first time I beat Face Roll after a losing streak. Like, I already beat him a couple times, but it's like there was then that, like, huge losing streak that, like, I could not beat him. And then the first time after, like, 50 sets in a row, it's like, oh, that was the biggest, greatest accomplishment I ever had in Melee so far. And, like, that feeling, I will never, ever forget. And, um... Even above beating Mewtwo King Sheik? Yes. I know, I know that he was like, but it's still beating Mewtwo King Sheik. Like, you it was up... like Rusty Mewtwo King, so it's like, I don't care. Okay. So Fair it's enough. like, uh, so it's like, man. And it's like, up, for right? me to like go through so much like pain and suffering and hardship to like then eventually just overcome that, that's why I'm a top player. Or that's why I live to be a top player. True. Okay, I thought of an answer, by the way. Okay, I have I've got a by the way, I I spent this time I thought and by thought I mean I googled. I have a couple I have a couple uh I'm going to give you a couple uh, ideas. And if you don't want any of them, tell me your answer, but I'm just going to throw out a couple. Peter Griffin, he wears glasses. <laughs> Maybe Peter Griffin's your favorite character. Um who else do we have? Arthur from from Arthur. He wears glasses. That little aardvark. <laughs> Velma, Dexter. There's a lot of good. These if, you are... need, if you need to ask for anything, I've got. These are the the top sitcom picks, huh? So what what is your answer though? In your heart of hearts. Okay. The character that actually I think I relate to a lot. Uh, 
maybe this comes from a cringe anime that some people, I don't know, every time it's brought up, they're like, oh, I can't believe you like this anime. But like, you know, from Boku no Hero, I think I like Sir Night Eye a lot. I'm sure that means something to someone. Yeah. I, uh... But it means nothing to us. Yeah. We need Ambi on the show. Ambi yeah. will explain it. Well, also, anyways, that. That character, like, I don't know, he's, like, very serious, but, like, he knows a lot. He has a lot of wisdom, and, like, his general philosophy of, like, um, how he approaches things, combats, and, like, like, I admire it a lot. And it's a shame that, like, he doesn't really get that much screen time, uh, but, yeah, that would be my pick. And those are familiar with that character, like, I, I just like his vibe the most. You know, if you um, this is you know you know how there's kind of like uh they do it in like in fighting games sometimes they're, where they're like, uh it's an array and it's like your definition of Shoto and it's like it has to have a uh Tatsumaki and a Shoryuken and a Hodoken and then it's like definition of a something else and I think if your definition of a, of glasses includes goggles, then minions might be in there. <laughs> You really just want me to pick a sitcom character, huh? No, no, I love your answer. I'm just saying. And I know people are listening to their on their podcast app of choice and yelling, minions! And uh, minions, they are wearing goggles, but, but you know, maybe there's a way where we can classify goggles as glasses. Who knows? Maybe we do an episode on this. But for now, you are through the ringer in terms of these questions. You gave wonderful answers, Kadoran. Uh, and we are nearing the end of this, but we do have one more segment. Famous unnamed but known by the fans as touching grass you were on last time and i believe we had this segment but this is a segment where we talk about stuff that we've been doing that's outside of smash just a way to get a glimpse into our lives um uh, because i feel like for most smash people that we don't really talk about things or or you know have like glimpses into our lives that aren't smash related so i'm gonna do one <clears throat> and i i do think that recently and by recently i mean the entire time we've done this segment uh, it's usually just like, what other media have I consumed instead of Smash? Um, and and one of them has been something that's been uh, kind of taking over my life in the past couple days was uh, I watched a lot of a YouTube series from the guy who makes Wendover Productions and Half as Interesting and all these other YouTube things. You might not know it by that name. But you've definitely seen these videos or, or seen the thumbnails, at least. There's tons of them. Uh, this guy's like 25, which is scary, and has all these different channels uh, with very well-made videos. So he did a, a thing where him and his friends, they did a bunch of travel-related games, kind of like uh, there's there's like little like challenges involved. There's, there's like uh, – it's kind of like a tag game currently. It's all these different things, but it's called Jet Lag the Game. Uh, it's very interesting to watch, and I I binged. There's like three seasons. I binged the two that were out already. I watched all that I could of the third one, and I even did the thing where I bought Curiosity Stream with Nebula so I could get the other episode before it came to YouTube, which is something that I've never done for any other creator. Um, so yeah, they're they're pretty fun videos. But I will say, if I use that as my touching grass moment this week, I am a fool because. This week was the first week that I got to watch the Philadelphia Eagles this season. Yes, of course. We love football this podcast. And I will try to keep the football talk to a minimum because I know Edwin will take it another 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> but I was not able to watch the Eagles last week because I was at Riptide. Uh, and despite the fact that our TV at the hotel had um, 
It had two different football games. It had two different, uh, it had a WNBA finals game. It had two different collegiate women's soccer game. It had uh, competitive bull riding. There was competitive pickleball. There was competitive slap ball or sorry, spike ball. Um, there was like everything that you could want to watch. I literally watched Manager Nobly get accepted into the Hall of Fame on that TV, but I could not watch my favorite team play uh, at their first game of the season. So I got to watch it last list uh, this past week. I got to watch Monday Night Football. Amazing game. The Eagles, they looked great. I'm so excited for the season. Uh, hopefully we go far and I get to, you know, whisper sweet nothing into Fendrick Lamar's ears this entire time. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to the season and I had to sport my little cap. Edwin Budding, I'm hoping that you are able to concentrate whatever hope football or football non non-football related thing into uh as short as the time as possible. <laughs> Just because I, I know when we get into Sundays in the fall. Okay. Yeah, I will not talk about the NFL for for my part. I okay. I don't trust myself. Um, <laughs> mostly, you know, I I've been actually a, I'm a little late on this, but I've been watching Rings of Power and uh, House of the Dragon. Uh, I read uh, I I wrote a Song of Ice and Fire when I was in like college, and then I watched the Game of Thrones series. Uh, I read the Lord of the Rings books as a kid, and obviously I grew up with the movies. So it's been interesting to see these two shows and uh, kind of re- critically revisit the like the works and like what's good about the series uh what's not so great like what strengths each one have what each of their weaknesses are i'm a big fan of both uh, the lord of the rings and game of thrones universe or whatever i think they're pretty good i will say i've been uh the show both of the shows have been a little like uh, unbalanced because the the peaks have been really good like with regards to like seeing the world presented in the source material except on the big screen this time is very cool i think some of the care like the initial relationship set up by each of the show is very good but like i gotta say one thing i don't like is i don't like it when characters in conflict retread the same ground over and over again and like after first after an initially like very good first two episodes of house of the dragon the, la- the last two I saw, I still haven't seen episode five yet. The last two I saw were just like really bad in hindsight. And it sort of was like, it was, it kind of caught me off guard because after episode two, I was like, this is the best season of like anything related to Game of Thrones since like the third season of Game of Thrones. This is amazing. I was really hyped. And then the last two episodes was just like such a nosedive in quality. But yeah, I've been watching both those shows. I've been uh, revisiting all like my, uh, all of these like different lore YouTube lore videos about about like Middle Earth and like Game of Thrones or whatever. So it's been kind of fun revisiting all of that. I I want to actually read Fire and Blood. I read The World of Ice and Fire like a long time ago. It's a big influence on my writing. But uh, I want to read Fire and Blood for real this time. Maybe even revisit the Silmarillion another time instead of just watching YouTube videos about it. Yeah, that's what I've been up to. I read uh, the first Game of Thrones. I read a Game of Thrones. I guess the first in the song of Ice of Fire. Um, very horny. That wait, what, did that influence your writing? What what influenced your writing? No, World of Ice and Fire. Okay, that it wasn't the, horny. The that wasn't not horny. really. Okay, not really. You say okay. Um, I just want to. I haven't read all the Monday Morning Marts. I don't know if I missed a, a kind of blue one. <laughs> they go at eighteen plus. <laughs> Uh, but that's good to hear, Edwin. What what character are you in the in the Song of Ice and Fire uh, world? Oh, Tyrion, easy. Okay, you would say that. 
you would be one of those guys who has the shirt where it's like, I drink and say smart things or whatever. Well, realistically, well, realistically, I think m- myself included, the way we'd operate in the universe is more like Sam Tarly. Than I like, was going to say, I think we're all a bunch of Samuel Tarleys yeah. here. But just in terms of like idealizing our Sam best self. Like, did I make that? I think I like for me being out. being a very disappointing being a very disappointing uh, member of my family in terms of my professional ambitions nicely fits uh, fits the Tyrion arch- archetype pretty well. So that's that's what my the shared pain of being disappointments would be the would be the the connecting thread there. Not anything about like being witty or whatever. Maybe we can we can grow to be some uh, a couple Tommins. <laughs> so, so, Tom was based. Sure. Uh, Kador, what, what have you <laughs> been up to? I said that sentence. Tom was based. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, let, let's. <laughs> what have you been up to, man? Before he's gonna keep talking. You just have to. Uh, shut I mean, up. like, I have absolutely no idea. Majority of what you guys were talking about. Uh, so that's how this gonna, works. That's fine. <laughs> gonna immediately pivot away from uh book reading. Something that I haven't actually done in a long time. I should get back into it, but um. I've been going to the gym three times yeah. a week lately, which uh, I'll tell you the reason why I've been going to the gym. Uh, it's uh, it was because so that I could impress a date, which ultimately oh. did not work out. But uh, I just like invested so much to the gym. I had like a personal trainer like yeah. every week, so it's like I already invested so much into it. I might as well keep it up. So that's what I've been doing to literally touch something. I mean, I guess it's not grass, but it's gym equipment. So like. You could argue sure. that has tangible benefits. I uh, my touching grass moment was watching YouTube. So, or, or well, I did watch the Eagles and they play on grass. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. So you are doing something cooler than me. I don't know about that for sure, but um, it, it definitely has some tangible benefits. Some scientific articles would like to argue, and uh, I would hope <laughs> that they're right. Uh, I've been eating a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if you can tell by my stature, but like I'm not, I'm not. I don't weigh the most, so gaining weight is good for me. And uh, I've been, I've been getting into this game more and more called Slate Aspire. Some people think blur. That's not true. The main reason oh. why I got into the game is because of Artosis. Uh, oh. Like I'm, a, I'm an avid follower of him. I, I, I keep up with a lot like the super major starcraft ruger attorneys and one of the podcasts he was like oh yeah slate aspire like i got on my phone it's like it's like super fun and i love like trying to figure that out I'm like huh okay I'll, I'll try this out and i know blurs into it so like you know is there's gotta be some merit to it um and like one thing i just didn't know is that you could get it on the phone because i wasn't really interested in like sitting down a pc and play anything that's not melee on a pc uh <laughs> i don't know if i'm the only one that has that problem but I have trouble booting up other games on my PC. So um, I've been playing it so much on my phone that like I've I've been grinding upwards to Ascension 20, which is like the highest difficulty in that game after like, you know, like a hundred hours. Uh been playing it since like summer. And like right now I'm like I, I like I just feel like that constant progression in that game that's like so rewarding and so addicting at the same time and i i play it a lot especially in flights where it's like one session's like typically an hour it's just in like an airplane flight and that's how like i'm able to take like a red eye and still stay up because i'm just playing slay the spire on my phone uh so that's been the other game i've been very very addicted to lately um 
and uh oh my friends in chat i speaking yeah i i played valen for the first time last weekend oh wow i guess at that game but yeah <laughs> well you're on the grind it is, it is good to hear that you are becoming more like blur by the day i i i visiting his own little ruins <laughs> blur and i talked a lot blur. about ruins on this on this very fabled okay i said this so it was about an hour maybe maybe a little longer than an hour shuttle from the uh the resort from the kalahari resort to the cleveland airport i think if we recorded that i think that goes viral we were we were on some ideas we were going places man it was insane you would have made a video by now about all those topics these complicated (laughs) philosophical topics yeah we were we were we were explaining some crazy things he said that if you don't want to be immortal, you're dumb. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't really want to live forever. But did morality come up in conversation by any chance? Uh, okay, uh, I, you know, no. it's, this is Kadoran. Uh, I've had fun in the podcast. Kadoran, where can people find you? <laughs> if people want to follow you, where can they find you? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter, Kadoran uh, at Kadoran SSB. Uh, you know, uh, they uh follow my twitch my youtube whatever uh follow my tiktok it's uh tiktok.com slash kadoran uh and uh yeah it was really fun talking to you guys where where does the viewer follow us well you can watch us live twitch.tv slash melee stats if you want to catch the episodes after they air they're going to be on youtube at the melee stats archive if you want to go over to our main channel it's on youtube at melee stats that's we're going to have our long form content uh Manly Stats Archive also, by the way, has the the pretty sad set where Abe lost his uppy. So you can always watch that if you'd like. Um we are uh twitter.com slash melee stats pod. We're gonna have daily results and we're gonna also be posting stuff about the players who are bringing to tournaments. So as we're getting into the year to into this really fatty part of the year where there's a ton of tournaments, you know, keep an eye out to see who's getting brought out to stuff and keep an eye to see uh you know results about how players that we had did um it's also going to have links to articles on meleestats.co such as monday morning marth and when's melee and uh this is new last time we had an episode we didn't have this but meleestats.co backslash shop if you want to buy any melee stats merch that you see any of our players rocking at any point it's going to be on there and if you just love everything we do and you want to support us patreon.com slash melee stats you've been a lovely guest this episode was too long, but it was <laughs> lovely to talk to you this entire time. I appreciate you being on so much. Uh, and then, yeah, this is your second stamp for the jacket, so we'll see if you if you get a third. Uh, you won't get a fifth. We are not giving out jackets, but but third and fourth, we'll look forward to having you on. Uh, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see you at LTC. I'll be there, and uh, yeah. who knows? Maybe Edwin will finally come out of his shell and go to Big House. <laughs> yeah, don't be shy. Don't be shy, Edwin. All right, everyone, thank you so much for watching. Uh, Foresight Fights will be next week, but we'll be on the week after to recap LTC and talk about what is going to happen at Big House. It's going to be an insane episode. I can't wait to talk about it, but we will have to wait. See you guys then. Peace. See you guys.